Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you that you don't need any bracketology blogs or prediction shows or anywhere else. We we got the expert of bracketology right here on this podcast. Andrew, congratulations. Second year in a row, you nailed the bracket. And uh, yeah, uh, I think Jason Moy uh, is is going to be watching out for his job because uh, that, was a, that was a great special episode you did. Thank you for that. I, I give all of my credit to myself, because I, I would too. just a genius. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think there was a... I mean, there was a big... There was one big... There's a lot decision. of big kerfuffles. <laughs> People... Well, there, and it all kind of stemmed around one decision. What to do with kind of the two, three seats. We'll get to that later, but I... I, I mean, just like it was last year, there was a lot of stuff that you could pencil in pretty confidently. So, but happy to get it right again. Exactly. Um, I do have uh, to say, though, I do have to um, make one correction uh, on your episode. You did get one thing wrong. Just one. Uh-huh. And uh, that would be that uh, I was not doing vodka pulls out of a beer bong. So whoever told you those that uh, uh, that was not on the table, I'm actually not a big uh, vodka shot person. If I'm doing a shot, if it's not like a whiskey based mixed shot, um, like I'll sip bourbon or I'll sip whiskey, I'll sip scotch. I don't like to shoot it. Um, but if I'm if I'm shooting something, if I'm shooting something hard, it's tequila. Tequila is kind of my go to when it comes to that. Make a T-shirt out of that. <laughs> Husky's Hockey Podcast. If I'm shooting something, it's tequila. Uh, <laughs> hashtag welding. Merch. Get, get on. Uh, I don't. I don't know. One, one Shopify or one, one of those uh, print uh, order T-shirts that you know, bad quality T-shirts that you can sell for twenty-five dollars. Proceeds go to. I mean, me and you. I guess. The Huskies Hockey Podcast. Yeah, if someone wants to do that, spearhead that effort. Yeah, please let us know. You'll uh, you'll get a cut too, I suppose. So we'll have we'll have a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of discourse um, uh, around uh, around the NCAA tournament and how everything kind of shook up with the seating and the brackets and uh, whatnot. But you know, we do have the expert here um, that that can go over all your questions and and uh, you know. I don't know if you have a different take on if you really think Minnesota got screwed out of all of this, but I am loving the discourse online that Minnesota fans are ticked off about it. But let's put a pin in let's, that. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's put a pin please, in that, please, because uh, we got a championship to discuss. We are the NCHC Frozen Faceoff champions uh, for 2023, second time. We're two and four in the championship game now. Uh, six and zero in the in the semis, though. That's which I I forgot that, but we are unstoppable on Fridays at the X in March. Yep our our losses are to Minnesota Duluth, uh, North Dakota up at the Ralph, uh, Miami, um, 
right at the beginning. Um, and Denver. then Denver, correct? Denver. Yeah. So, right. 2018. So if we would have lost to Colorado College, uh, that would have been five different teams that we would have lost. So we would have been That's like it. the Bernie Sanders, I guess, of uh, trying to get uh, everybody everybody their fair share of a frozen fill, face-off fill the, champion. Fill in the bingo card. Right? Exactly. So, uh, it's not to be. But it was not. Yep, it was not meant to be. Huskies end up winning. So let's uh, let's let's go uh, all the way back to the beautiful game of ending North Dakota season. And um, God, I enjoyed that. <laughs> you know, just walking out. I was obviously I was at the uh, I was at the games. Um, I was at all three. Lost a little bit of money um, uh, playing the dollar game, but uh, it was still fun times had by all. I was down a lot um, after after the first uh four and a half periods but i was able to kind of storm back so that was that was good i was down about 40 bucks or so so it was it was it was not a good night for me at the dollar game but um uh but uh end up uh beating uh north dakota took overtime uh but uh uh angry north dakota fans sad north dakota fans are the best north dakota fans so it was um you know i thought overall um, it was a pretty strong game by the Huskies. Um, it uh, was a little bit dicey there in the second period um, where they were able to kind of um, North Dakota was able to come back a little bit, but um, it, yeah, I actually, I, th- I thought the first two periods were, were kind of rough for St. Cloud. I, I didn't, I wasn't very impressed. It didn't seem like they really took control of the game until the very end of the third and then going into overtime. But it seemed like really. I thought little, the first period was passive. I thought the uh, first period was fairly even um, because I was really worried about a, an incredibly fast start. So maybe that was my expectation: is that we were going to get steamrolled over the first ten minutes, and that didn't happen. So maybe my yeah, I don't worry think that, was a little not, more I mean, blurry. I don't think North Dakota was dominating uh, per se, but it didn't feel like St. Cloud was really. Had really showed up, like you said, three shots in that second period. That was a little rough, but uh, and like I said, it, it didn't feel like they were really the, the team in control. Not to say that North Dakota necessarily was grabbing the game by the horns either. We saw that they just have deficiencies as a team. Um, this this sort of was a full circle for North Dakota. The the problem at the beginning, first half of the year was um, third period implosions. Well, they had third period lead going into the third period and, and coughed up and, and lost overtime. Um, and, and their scoring depth really hurt them too without you know, beyond that top line, just not, not much. And, you know, Deritter was fine. That, that wasn't really the issue as, as far as that was one of their other big problems early in the season. He was serviceable, I mean, not, not outstanding, but, uh, and Caster outplayed him. Um, big mm-hmm. teeth. Key a turning point in that game was after North Dakota goes up two to one, come back down shortly thereafter and have like a two on one situation. Caster stops that chance. If that goes in, it's three to one. Yeah, it's harder for the Huskies, I think, to 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 match match that. You know, come back and tie that game, and win it. So I thought Caster was huge mm-hmm. uh, all weekend, but particularly in that game. And like I said, by the end of the game, I thought their best play was like five, five minutes to go in the third period, and then they carried that on into overtime. Just a terrific play from Granola to Okabe on the winner. I mean, I could, uh, when you know, reading the post game on the 
the rink live and they had the uh the video clip of it and i was just just looping it for like a solid minute <laughs> it's just uh it was a thing of beauty well and, now we have like three different really awesome camera angles on I saw, it yeah there were well, i saw two there's one from basically the opposite side that was kind of fun to see i didn't what, what was the other the ref cam uh oh really i, I did not see that yeah but uh, yeah. head head to the nchc twitter account um they've got the ref cam and um they also have some conversation <laughs> about about the challenge too which i thought was kind of funny because yeah that was weird what what was the vibe in the building there because well yeah well, it seemed like from cbs they were kind of confused but they're like oh deritter's back in his net they really think they're confident that this is going to be overturned Thinking of it in real time, I'm like, I, it didn't seem offsides at all. And then they played this replay where it was like St. Cloud getting out of their own zone. And that's the thing. Yeah. So, it, well, it wasn't even the replay, but it was just like a still frame shot that they just randomly put on the scoreboard. And it really? was, and it was, um, you know, a, a defenseman, but I guess the angle <laughs> or that- whatnot, like, like UND fans really thought that it was like on the entry to the zone. So like, I guess everybody looked at that and UND fans started cheering. DeRitter goes back into his net and I'm sitting there looking at it. I'm like, you're seeing North Dakota's bench. Like that is clearly the opposite blue line. So like it, so it was like the clip of it, like two minutes or I'm sorry, two seconds or something like that before it's like when North, when Minnesota or when St. Cloud gained possession of the puck but they didn't roll it. They didn't roll any footage. It's like they put it up there to show everyone, but then remembered, oh, maybe during a challenge, we shouldn't actually put it up there yet until they announce it. So yeah, that was, that was the confusing part because, yeah. and then CBS put the real highlight on there. Like, oh, well, of course it was yeah. 10 feet on site. Like it was a joke that it had to even yeah. be that well, well, close. I, I think Brad and from the ref camp, Brad Barry was like, can we, can we challenge something <laughs> like yeah, from his perspective? What yeah, the season's done season, like, might as well. You might as well challenge for something. something. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I, I don't blame him for, it's like uh freezing the kicker at that point. It's like, I'll, I'll try to, I, I got something in my back pocket. I can give it a shot. Desperation, stinky cologne, yeah. yada, yada, yada. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you're a hundred percent right on caster too. Uh, he was huge. Um, that game, that save, um, on that two on one, he stretches leg out, able, able to get that was big. Uh, and really the rest of that second period too. I mean, they get the power play right at the end and couldn't get out of their own zone. You just have the forwards way yeah. back. And again, this is the same thing that I've been, been preaching week after week after week is that St. Cloud Rumbles under an aggressive forecheck. UND played that aggressive forecheck, and we had our trouble with it uh, at times. Uh, Colorado College didn't. They just kind of let St. Cloud come to them, and we were able to kind of take control of that game, and it wasn't really even close from the drop. But, you know, going back to that um, that North Dakota game, um, you know, Mietnan scores um, on a one-timer, which we have been lambasting all season but uh he was able to connect it so much that i didn't even recognize who it was like after he shot it i was like oh chronola sweet he's getting and i'm like wait a minute that's not chronola who is that like i didn't even recognize who it was the fact that that one timer actually hit the net 
He made it, made up for that with a couple of uh, shots that whistled high and wide, as they more often do. But mm-hmm. nice to see him tuck the corner there this time. Yep. And then, um, and then there was that uh, the second goal was, uh, you know, as you said, kind of the third people third period. We were starting to get our groove a little bit more. Um, and then just that whole sequence with Mietnin over to Okabe, the Cranola, and I think Peart started that, or maybe it was Wiley. I don't remember who started that play. Um, but it was just an all-around beautiful passing play over to Cranola for the one-timer, um, and they were working on DeRitter. Um, again, DeRitter, through the second half of the season, really since the St. Cloud implosion, um, has been really strong. And uh, the defense has been um, a little bit better for North Dakota. So it took incredibly good goals like the three did to beat them. Um, So, but uh, Huskies were able to um, win in overtime. It was one of those things that I was a little bit worried after the second period. Um, As I was going around down two to one, I'm like, I know we can come back, but I was a little bit worried about it. Um, But once we tied it up two to two and just saw how we were playing, even if we went to overtime, I'm like, I, I, I just wasn't worried after that. I was, I was just like, I think eventually we're going to pop one in here. And that's, uh, that's what happened. So obviously uh, very nice to end any team season, but particularly that team. Um, good vibe in the building as far as lots of green, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw a steep drop off in attendance yeah. uh, to the title game. How was the atmosphere there? I mean, knowing that is obviously a partisan crowd and you're in the minority of that partisan crowd. Uh, well, how, how'd you feel the fan experience was uh, that night? It, I mean, it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, it was definitely lacking. Cause even, even though it was, it was still less than I thought there would be. Um, I, I, 10,200. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know you did it, uh, the attendance, you know, some other, you know, two years ago or something, it was about, about 12 or 13 it's cracked 11 and 12 before. So more, more regularly. So it was a, a little bit of bummer. I thought more people would show up. I thought more red would show up. Um, I think a lot of people just kind of waited to see if St. Cloud would have won. They did turn out pretty well for the, uh, for the, um, for the championship game, even though obviously there was that steep drop off in attendance because a lot of people in, um, from North Dakota didn't show, which kind of surprised me because I felt like in the um, WCHA final five days, I actually was pretty impressed with how North Dakota did usually stick around. Um, you know, they, but, um, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they just hate St. Cloud. We're at that level of hatred that they hate us, which is awesome. Um, that they just didn't care to see what happened, or they weren't intrigued by seeing Colorado College play. Um, since, Could have been a part of it since they were kind of on the upset um, the train as well. But um, yeah, it, the big thing that I was kind of a head scratcher for me is just just the lack of concessions um, that were open. They they didn't have too many open, and you know what they did had a long line, and it's like you could have a couple more concession stands open. It wouldn't hurt you incredibly much. You know, just be a better fan experience. Um, 
uh, as far as like going down on St. Patty's Day, I was actually a little bit impressed um, that there wasn't more. And I think the weather had something to do with it. Um, it was bitterly cold, probably the coldest conference tournament that I've been to. And especially with the wind chill too, it was, it was frigid. So that might've kept people away from like the St. Paul, uh, St. Patty's day parade or anything along those, those lines. But also that could be just, there's more bars that are open in downtown St. Paul than there was, you know, 10 years ago or something like that. Um, so there's more options, more people spread out. So that could be a little bit something too, but um, yeah, we were able to actually uh, find a place fairly easily at uh, Eagle Street for a little bit and uh, a bar across uh, called the Apostle. They had a little fan fest outside, but they had some they had some fire pits going that people were kind of hanging out with. But, you know, most people wanted to be inside at that point. So overall, the fan experience was pretty good. Um, little quibbles, but it's it's definitely you can tell that at least I think you can tell that they expected or at least wanted more people there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and having, having two teams, you know, Denver NCC so far away, pretty much parents of, of local players, um, are being the only real representation for those schools. I'm sure that, uh, that put a hit to that as well. So, so going into that Saturday title game with CC, you know, you, you were at the CC Denver game. Correct. Yep. So I, I only really saw the last period of that. Um, it was kind of rough to watch, uh, actually. Uh, it was. But it, it looked like CC, you know, they outshot him in the first. And it just, it was, it's kind of the the type of playoff hockey. We saw this on Friday, particularly, early all weekend uh, nationwide. But for Friday in particular, the St. Cloud North Dakota game was the only game to crack three goals for one team. Um, two one nothing games, three two to one games, and then that three to two game. Five of those six in overtime, and it sort of is the playoff hockey. The, the The drawback for me sometimes playoff hockey can fall into this. It's just both teams are so scared of making a mistake, and they're kind of waiting for the first team to make a mistake. And because of that, they play a little bit more passively than they generally do in the regular season. And so you get a lot of feeling each other out for extended periods of time. And it can lead to somewhat boring hockey, which that's was my takeaway of watching that last period of the CC Denver game. And again, I didn't watch the first two periods. So please fill me in on what you felt as the whole game or on the whole, what you thought of that first game, obviously then leading into the CC title game. Watching the first period of the North Dakota St. Cloud game, everyone in our section or everyone that the group we were with, we were like, this is a massive step up from the game we just watched. Um, Yeah, I think Denver and CC, I think Denver was just kind of going through the motions. I don't know exactly how banged up they were. And maybe they just weren't really giving it their all. I know. Corona left uh, about that, halfway that through the game. Weird. And then after the game, Carl says, oh, no, not injured. Like, really? That's that's generally what you do when you're down one nothing in a game 10 minutes to go in the third period is substitute your goaltenders. That clearly, he's injured. Um, yeah. And I, going into the, the regionals, I think Denver's vulnerable. They're, they're, I would say they're the most vulnerable one seed. Yep. Uh, 
and maybe that's not a hot take because they are the the four overall, the lowest of the one seeds. But I think they're going to have a tough time with Cornell. We'll, we'll get to that, but just based on yes, on the not just Corona, but I mean they got Barons back, um, they got Rizzo back, but it didn't seem just in that brief time frame that I watched the game, as you said, going through the motions is a good. Yeah. A good descriptor of that. And maybe it is because, hey, this isn't the title, you know, Bender done that. Uh, we were the defending Natty title uh, champions. We don't, we're really not all that super interested in this game. Um, so that's possibly the case. But I said it last week on the show. I mean, I was the uh, optimist between the two of us saying that CC had pegged him at a 5% chance of winning that game. You scoffed at that. No, no, no. 3% at most. <laughs> Uh, we're yep. both wrong as it turned out, but I did say if it's if they're going to win, it's going to be a one to nothing. You're not game. wrong when you game. go with percentiles. It's just it, the three well, percent hit. Just, <laughs> you got to bump that that percentage. It's hockey. Stuff like ah, this happens, true. and it happens somewhat frequently, like depressingly frequently. Um, but <laughs> one nothing, which game. we are all too well familiar with. And there was a bit of uh, trepidation. From my end, playing CC, it's like, first of all, I would have rather played Denver because I don't, I hate to be this guy, but I feel compelled to point out that this frozen faceoff was won by St. Cloud, did not have to play a team in the top half of the standings, fifth place, sixth place, and seventh place mm-hmm. teams. Just throwing it out there. Uh, uh, not all titles, not all conference titles are created equally. Uh, and so I kind of wanted Denver in order to prepare us for the NCAAs uh, against a tougher opponent. I mean, going back from our little cold spell, which we seemed to be off officially, five out of six games now that they won. So we're not struggling. We're not, we're not limping into the NCAAs, which is good. But going back to, I mean, the, the games that they have won have all been, as it turned out, non-NCAA teams. The, the last tournament qualifying team that they beaten was Denver back in January. That was with Anhorn and company. So long time ago, uh, it seems uh, at this point. So I would have at the, at sort of my, my immediate thought was I'd rather have drawn Denver to kind of prepare you better for the NCAAs, but seeing how CC played that game, you know, just trying to clog zones, keep it as scoreless as possible for the long, for long as possible and try to, pop in one power play goal and then just clog up the zone for the rest of the game. How you, that formula, it's not just CC that's going to play that. A lot of teams are going to play that kind of style of game. So the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, it, it might be worth it to get practice playing a gross kind of trap game like this, because a lot of teams are going to play like that. St. Cloud is not immune. They, I think part of their game plan going into NCAA games is to implement some sort of trap, whether or not, when they're going to implement it or how long they're going to implement it. Certainly going back to that frozen four game against Mankato that I remember they were, they were in a four man in the neutral zone at nine minutes into the first period. So every team, I think, I think it's endemic for hockey in the playoffs and particularly college hockey in the playoffs is this mentality of it's the two to one game. This is how you, this is how you win in the playoffs and to get to have to face a team like CC who's selling out has no shame in playing that because that's the only way literally they can win that. I think that is, that will prepare you somewhat for, for the playoffs as well. You have to run into a team like that down the road. So, um, but also in Barico, 
he's he's been very hot as well of late carrying this team uh in their little miracle run and so he, that was obviously a bit of a uh a, a threat uh for the upset but they, and it was a bit of a struggle at the start of the game but then they when they popped in that first goal it was kind of a cheap a cheap goal to get by Iberico. um or at least it didn't look it didn't look all that hot uh i think it was it was a matter of time at that moment because St. Claude was clearly the better team dictating play. CC was on their heels the whole time. And I, I wished after that first goal that it, it, the kind of floodgates would open. They didn't really open until the third period, one nothing after two. But especially after that second goal scores for St. Cloud with that Crookshank, a uh, nice little uh, play there with Kuka, I believe. Um, uh, a nice setup right in, Right in the doorstep with Miller, actually. Micah. Yep. Uh, Cup, Cup, Cup Good Kirkshank had the uh, third goal uh, shortly thereafter. Another kind of a nice give-and-go play. Um, similar, different, but similar to that Crandall uh, a pass to Akabi. But after that second goal in particular, um, the game was, at that point, I was working on my brackets. Uh, like, pretty, pretty secure that uh, St. Claude had that one in the bag. Caster obviously had to, he had some key saves to make, not a ton of them, but he did have to step up and get the shut up. When you, when you saw that Caster was starting for the, for the championship game, what was your thought? There was really no thought. I I thought that was a no brainer. Hmm. Uh, And I expect him to start in against Mankato here in Fargo. Yep. I agree. Uh, I mean, I suppose, yeah, because didn't Bassey shut him out twice? Yep, Bassey shut him out twice. So, and he's got the former CC kind of thing too, where he might be on the redemption yep. tour. Like, I think it was the right move. It, you know, it, with playoffs, I think you want to ride your hot goalie and caster. Certainly, I think. Yeah, I, I think. Ernie. I I tweeted out that on before the before the Saturday game, I was like, you got to. You got to keep going with Caster, right? Especially with how he played against North Dakota, where he made quite a few key saves. Um, but like you said, there was yeah maybe a couple of um, you know uh, big saves that he made against uh, CC, but there was really no sustained pressure. I mean, I was never worried throughout that game. Um, and then, like you said, once they popped it in two nothing, I'm like, all right, let's. Let's get to the tequila shots. We're good to go now. The big thing too that first two periods, um, especially when it's still scoreless, um, until you know late in the first period. Again, don't play into CC's game plan here. You gotta stay disciplined. Do not take a penalty against this team because giving them any sort of power play opportunity. You saw that in the Denver game. The one goal they scored there was on a power play, uh, and so just being. Being disciplined and not taking penalties, which they did. I mean, the, those first two periods didn't take a penalty yep. at all. They they only took some penalties at the end of the game after they had got that three nothing lead. Um, I think there was even a, a five on three situation yep. late in that game. Yeah, for about a minute there, which is good. You know, you, you want it at that point three three nothing against you know an, an average to below average team sort in the last ten minutes of a game like that. It's nice to be able to. You know, yeah, slash someone, kill off a penalty. get a yeah, get some get some extra practice, get uh, some, game time situation. That's right. 
That's right. You know, this penalty kill has been much maligned all year. Um, and it's nice to go into the NCAAs, you know, on a somewhat of a hot streak there. He gave up the power play goal to uh, for, to uh, North Dakota, the, their first goal, but um, killed off their other three chances that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're going in on an 0 for 6. And that, and that power play. Streak. And that power play. Like, I've been dragging this penalty kill. That power play goal was a pretty sweet power play goal. I mean, that was there there was uh there was some pretty passes that were made on that so i kind of shrugged my shoulders on that one so yeah it's uh it's very nice to see this team i mean i i'm the first to hold myself accountable here 3 4 weeks ago saying this isn't a title team really kind of meaning the NCAAs, but you could have thrown in nchc frozen face off at that point if you wanted to expand that definition mm-hmm. i didn't see i didn't see even this title being a qualifying for when I say this isn't a title type team. And, you know, especially after that, let's say Saturday Duluth game, the, in the playoff series, the five to one loss. I didn't know if I saw, I was going to see another win from this team this season. You but, were, you weren't the only one. There, well, there sure, was a lot I'm of sure. Twitter discourse Maybe about you, you know, look back to when it was in February. I mean, this team was so lost. They couldn't find their ass with a magnifying glass and a map. Um, did not seem there wasn't much reason to be very confident uh, with the team at that point. But I guess it's a credit that they were able to have their dry spell early enough that they still had room to right the ship. Um, some teams the bottom falls out this point of the year, and it's it's too late to to, to recover from that. But through that adversity, they've been able to get things together and. I don't think they're playing their best hockey of the year. A, a lot of that is due to the fact that their best player is is still injured. Yeah, but um, but they're not playing their worst hockey of the year, and so that gives me some hope uh, coming into this this regional. That that hey, that St. Cloud can keep this to me. Like at that, and I, I was kind of going into it too, thinking it's gravy. Like they were they were playing well in, in that February rut. But my hope was, hey, they're going to make the tournament surprise me. Now they have that opportunity, and I, it's it's less it, it'll be less and less of a surprise at this point. Um, so, yeah, I uh, you can't expect you can't hope for a better way to prepare uh, going into the tournament. The last three opponents, last three games you've played, you've ended those teams of seasons. So there were the uh, and Caster being the common denominator there. He's the slayer uh, <laughs> in the nets here. And so, yeah, I, I'm always happy to add another title to the, the trophy case, even though this isn't the most coveted one. Um, I think it is important. It's another notch in, in Larson's belt as well. It's, uh, it, so, you know, I like to say it's, uh, it's better to have it than to not. That's right. Yeah. I mean, CC's a cute story, but. Come on, like they, we were talking last week about the possibility of Holy Cross being a, a sub 500 team in, in tournament. And to everyone's chagrin, I think they were unable to to beat Canisius. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't even mention because we thought it was a five percent chance that it could even get past Denver. But you know, once they did, they had the opportunity to be well under 500 if they would have beaten the Huskies. Uh, but if they would have won that game, I mean, I didn't realize too before. 
their Western Michigan upset, they were on a 13-gamer winless streak. Their last win prior to the Western series was the Friday game in St. Cloud um, in the beginning of January. Uh, And I didn't realize it had been that long, but... Yeah, I think uh, yeah, that's another the, that's another like hockey thing too. You go 13 games without winning anything, and then you come within a game of going to the NCAA tournament yeah. with a 14 and 21 record. I, I think the post game presser, uh, Brian Yoon, a defenseman, uh, was asked about that. Uh, the you know kind of how they felt and the adversity they've gone through to go on this run after you know 13 uh, you know winless games. Um, also, one thing I wanted to note was just how uh, how passionate that Brett Larson was talking about uh, Jackson Caster in the post game presser. I yeah. thought that was, I think you can really tell that um, that he loves his team, he loves his players, um, and then he'll go to bat for them at any time. I've always felt like Matsuko was, you know, maybe a little more rigid, a little more hard edged as as a coach, and still is probably, um, but. I think you can kind of tell that um, Larson is maybe a little bit more the other way that he's always going to have his teams back. And um, he got choked up a little bit talking about caster and the adversity that he went through. And he was talking about how social media can be a mean place. Um, you know, maybe that's part of our fault because we were dragging him <laughs> as well um, for is his this social media though. I, I, uh, yes. I mean, Probably. fine. I, and, then and I did that online definition. too. So yeah, I wasn't doing it on Facebook. Hey, I I did too. Mm-hmm. I I I didn't think that it was. I don't think that we were being unkind. Um, well, and, and that's we the being, other we thing. Being yeah. an, we were being honest reaction. It was an honest reaction yeah. to a, a bad performance. Bad performance. Like, we, we don't have to lie up. about yeah. it. And I always feel like it's so weird when hockey culture is so much like, oh, he's just a kid or anything like that. When we have no problem going on ESPN in front of millions of viewers just dragging college football players after a bad game or anything like that. But when we're talking about hockey, it's like he's just a kid at, you know, 24. Yeah, and in Caster's case, at 26. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, if you were to uh, pick uh, anything else you want to pick, then uh, uh, kind of about uh, CC, the weekend as a whole. How did it look on TV? Um, what's uh, what were your thoughts there? It was fine. Like I said, the it, it, it even from the TV watching from home here, it did seem like the building was pretty dead on Saturday. And then seeing the attendance figure at six thousand and change, that's not good. I mean, mm-hmm. and you're saying even the North Dakota game at ten two or whatever it was. It's not good either. We're on a we're on a downward slope here, um, which is not not good for the for the long term future of a neutral site conference tournament. Uh, particularly one if if you really put your eggs in your basket with one team, North Dakota in this case, mm-hmm. if they're not in it, as it, as we we talked about this like a month ago, maybe that was a that, that's a not a good argument because I, I fact checked it and. The one year that North Dakota didn't make it, 2019, I think the lowest attendance there was 9,000, like 9,500, which is still a dip, but it wasn't as catastrophic of a dip that this was. Um, I think what helped in that year is you had North Dakota, or you had St. Cloud and Duluth yeah. uh, as the 
as the two teams, but I suppose the other two were Denver and CC. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Same here. So, um, but at least for the title game, you had two Minnesota teams in it, which would have helped the title game at least. And then, so elephant in the room too is that you're looking at, you know, the Northern Michigan Minnesota State. You're looking at the atmosphere in that game. You're looking at the Michigan Minnesota, the atmosphere right. in that game. I mean, I, I I don't I don't know what the future holds for this, and I'm not going to speculate. I, I mean, I know what the conference wants, but in the end, money talks. It can't be uh, can't be cheap to rent out the X on Patty's Day weekend. And I wonder what that. I, I would imagine the conferences each have their own situation as far as revenue goes. Like, does the Big Ten get a cut of the Mariucci gate yeah. uh, for that title game and for the other playoff games for that matter? I would imagine so. But, I mean, even if the conference took the whole gate, I'm sure Mariucci would be able to to get a, you know, to, to rake in profits just on sessions alone, um, parking, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I. I, we've we've talked about this before. Like we we feel like it's ideal to have a neutral site conference championship, but uh, if if it's just not generating a, a good atmosphere, or if it's not making the money for the, the the people involved in that end of it, then you you probably should. I mean, you should you should. It's going to be at the X for the next couple of years, yeah. correct? They already renewed the the. the contract for i think two more years after this um i might be off on a year there but so it'll be there for a couple more years but i i just hope that they don't get into a big 10 at joe lewis arena situation uh where they they like they pulled the plug like almost a year late Mm -hmm. because there was like thousand people at, at at that last big 10 at least the one at the, the Joe Lewis. They were rotating between the X and Joe Lewis. And I remember the second time they went to the Joe Lewis uh, arena, uh, it was pitiful. Yeah. And you just, you hope that it doesn't get to that, get to that yeah. before, the, before they make a, a change. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. When we're talking about the NCAA tournament later, we are longtime advocates of on-campus regionals. And if it gets to a point where the X doesn't doesn't offer uh atmosphere for this conference tournament to the point where other other conferences seem to be you kind of jealous of other conference title games uh then i you should you should be wise to to make the change there but hopefully hopefully this was uh just a a, a random set of factors that aren't going to present themselves too often we'll see it's just um it was it was a little disappointing to see that but I will say, like Starman, Starman was he was on this weekend. Like he had the that first goal for St. Cloud. Um, he was kind of nailing too with St. Cloud. Not not good. It's it must be North Dakota has their number because North Dakota was 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 beating him on faceoffs on Friday, pretty regularly. And Starman was kind of on that like a fly on you know what, um, saying this is really kind of uh, hampering St. Cloud's sort of especially face-offs in St. Cloud's offensive zone, uh, he was noticing. And he was noticing that early in the CC game, too. And he's like, they're just, they, they, they can't set up their offense if they don't win these draws. And then that first goal started on a face-off win, and then the shot came from the point, and they were able to score. He's, he, he didn't say it, but he's like, basically like, see? Um, and so he was, he was having fun this weekend, and 
they brought up the air the Alabama Huntsville sub 500 uh teams they kind of he got them kind of blended all into one but some some de- basically he recited what we said he even like the the Urbandale Iowa uh, CHA conference tournament mentioned that so he he had the good uh some good uh blasts from the past kind of nuggets from Starman so so I thought they uh they they did a fine job um and yeah I was I was uh double barrel action triple barrel action uh couple of other the other title games I could, I could not find even like on black market sources the uh the Mankato Northern Michigan title game which I disappointed I couldn't catch the end of that but did watch the yeah, end of the uh, did watch the, the Hockey East and the ECAC those finals uh, as well even a little bit of the, the tail end of the Gophers uh Mich- Michigan title game so that was kind of fun to watch all of that action throughout the weekend and, and seeing how things were going to shake out. So, uh, good weekend. Um, from my vantage point, sounds like a good weekend for you, mm-hmm. obviously doing those, uh, tequila poles, uh, topped off the night you know, victory shots. Yep. So, uh, good stuff. So, yep. and, good weekend. And, indeed. Uh, so transitioning to our Go Huskies Woo Player of the Weekend. Um, who who do you got for your pal? You know i I was ready to come in here today, and was gonna go Granola. Um, but just talking about it with you now, I think I'm gonna change it to Caster. And those are your two options. I think I think that's. Really I was a. Cool. Um, especially with how, um, uh, Saturday ended up too, um, uh, with, uh, Cranola also, um, cause I believe he got scored the first goal on, on Saturday. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the again, first goal. that was kind of that fluky sort of, you know, yeah. Uh, two bait, you know, ground ball base hit kind of type goal that hopped over in Barico. Um And he had a really good weekend. I believe he was the player of the tournament, yep. or the uh, most outstanding yeah. player, yep. whatever. And I think that's definitely deserved. And I think, I think where I was thinking when I wanted it, was leaning towards him was vanquishing North Dakota. I'm not going to say it has more value than beating CC in the title game, but it kind of does. kind of <laughs> does. I mean, I agree. Uh, and, but you don't win that game also without Caster. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was Crandall, you know, you got to give Okabe a, to, to having, you got to give him credit for finishing that goal. It was a great pass, but it was a great move yeah, was, and a great backhanded shot too. Yeah. It was just a thing of beauty. Um, so I think the offense, you know, like I said, Mietnin had a nice snipe too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Crookshank, Kupka, Miller line had a really good um, third period on Saturday kind of put away CC. So, I mean, not much beyond that. No real depth scoring this weekend. Um, it's nice to get Cranola back, though. Uh, we've been talking about his struggles of late, mm-hmm. um, at least like since the Omaha series. W- were these his first goals since like North Dakota before that? You can fact check that me if you want. Um, uh, I'm doing it myself. Uh, yeah. yeah, it has. 
Yeah, no goals against Omaha. So, yeah. Just one assist in all five of yeah, the Minnesota just, Duluth games. And just one point in the last seven games. So nice to get him mm-hmm. uh, clicking again. Which I did uh, tweet out, too, that I felt like if it was just, it'll take one goal, but I think everything's going to um, kind of snowball for him, and he's going to get right back on track. Um, also, in the postgame presser, he said that uh, he shaved down his stick just a little bit. And hmm. that uh, one timer <laughs> that uh, he against North Dakota was the first one timer uh, that he attempted <laughs> with the uh, slightly shorter stick, and he just absolutely sniped it. So I think it's at a good length now. Yeah. So, but we we or at least I went on uh, lovingly about Caster here, and I'll repeat it again. Like he. Uh, he really he he has earned the starting goaltender position. They have taken us six months to get here, and it was not without a valiant effort by Bassey. I mean, yeah. Bassey's numbers uh, probably a majority of teams in college hockey would love to have a goalie put up Bassey type numbers this year. Casters are just a little bit better, and and he's got the experience, and he's got the chip on the shoulder. Uh, these are all positive things. And so, yeah i i i would I would bet a lot of money that he's going to be playing in Mankato, and if they get beyond that, I I, I don't think you're going to see Bassey play another minute this year. I don't think so either. Um, this season, uh, let's hope not, because that means that Caster won four games. Um, and obviously, you can you can lose games and have your goalie play well too. Obviously, that's definitely a possibility, but. But I think that Caster has earned the right here at, at the very end of his career. He's not coming back. So this is he's laying it all on the line. And this is it for him. And I think that's a good thing for this team right now is to have a guy that that's hung that's that hungry to can to, to finish it off in, in a pleasing fashion. Mm-hmm. So I think uh he had a great weekend and he's had a great season. He's definitely defied my expectations. Um and uh, I'm so so happy to see it and so happy for him as well. Exactly, exactly. Um, Goloski's Wu um, did end up going with Yami um, and saying that just, he was so good everywhere. Um, agreed that Caster has to be the guy going forward, um, and that pat, but that pass from Yami to Okabe on the game-winning goal was obnoxiously awesome. Um, I yeah, I also agree. Like it's between those two. Caster Yami do a coin flip, but I I would inch maybe a little bit towards Yami. And I'm saying that more because of the seven game goalless streak he was on and you know to kind of come back in a big way and step up. That's that's what we need this time of year. Um and to see that and our top two lines producing and, and going well. I mean it's it, it's what we need at this time of year. So that's uh that's where I'm going to go with. And so, um, just because I was curious and, uh, a friend of the show, Dan Jacobson, uh, asked me about it. Um, he asked me when the last time a team finished off the seasons of seven straight teams, um, before, you know, obviously winning it all. And I thought I would have to do a little bit of research on that. Um, 
And it turns out yeah, I didn't have to go back very far. Really? Yeah. It, it turns out it was uh, like a two minute research and I was able to find. Uh, was it Den- Denver last year? It was Massachusetts. Okay. Um, Northeastern Providence and Lowell in the tournament. And neither one of those three made the uh, NCAA tournament. Well, there you go. So, so I was like, "Oh wow, that was a little bit anticlimactic." But, uh, but it can't have happened too. Often. I, I wouldn't think so. Imagine. But then all of a sudden, I saw it just happened. <laughs> so I guess I mean maybe. it's just the tough part would be the the three the first three games. Yeah, you know because to have a championship play... team with one one team not going, you know, especially in the NCHC right. is right. incredibly rare. As of right, so. yeah. No, that's a good. That's a good trivia question. But, but yeah. So, um, did he ask you that in person? Because he, you, you actually yep. saw some Dan Jacobson. I in did. The flesh. I did see some Dan Jacobson. I did see some, um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, Twitter follows. Uh, I saw talked a little bit with uh, Sydney Wolf, uh, the Rink Live reporter extraordinaire, um, who was busy. Uh, you know, who has been just working her butt off the past. Uh, I don't know, two months, you know, and I could say all year. I mean, cause she has been, but, um, especially she feels like she's been pimping out a new article, um, you know, every, every two hours or so on the rink live. So, but, um, just talking to her and I flat out called that, uh, cause the over under for this game for CC St. Cloud was four and a half. And I said, Oh, this is the under. Oh, God, gotta be the <laughs> it's like the easiest under. That's ever. what I said, and I, I told her that I was like, "Bet the under on this one." Um, but uh, you know, talk to her a little bit because uh, she earlier that day she was in Denver or not Denver in Duluth for the women's Frozen Force, so she covered the game um, in the afternoon uh, and then drove down for the for the uh, um, the. Uh, Came in the evening. She so. missed. She missed the better game. She did miss the that, better game of, of that Frozen Four. Yeah. Uh, sadly, so yeah, we didn't have we didn't we didn't have that one. I mean, we I had Minnesota. You had Ohio yeah. State, and here comes plucky old unseated, unranked uh, Wisconsin in the tournament. Yeah, you know, having to win win an extra game in there to get there, but uh, can't say they didn't earn it either. Beating the top three seeds yeah. on their way to get there. Uh, you know, Colgate in in Colgate, and then these two, these these last two in Duluth. Uh, I don't know if you caught any. I caught the tail end of that the championship game. You know, I was working. I got the start of it, but... um, and then uh, the kids woke up from their nap. But um, just just watching like Wisconsin and Ohio State play, God, it feels like it's on another level. I mean, it is another level than St. Cloud, but it's like you can just see the divide between you know, kind of the top teams and some of the other teams in, in, in college hockey. So it's, we're not, I guess they'll almost kind of want to see just, let's just do it for fun. Like me, Ohio state or Minnesota one more time. Right. In, put it, just put it into Luth too. It's just, I was just curious. Like, uh, that, that, that'd be nice mm-hmm. to see, but good tournament. Um, I was able to catch a lot of it. Um, so Getting yeah. into women's hockey this year. I watched the most women's hockey than I ever have this year. And a lot of that's attributable to the fact that St. Cloud was relevant. Yeah. Um, and women's hockey is and, so fun to watch. I absolutely love watching women's hockey. And I wish I wish it was a little bit easier getting information for it if it was more readily available. But 
at any rate, um, well, we'll continue on here with uh, the Huskies Hockey Podcast um, as we're going to uh, switch over to the uh, Mankato. Brackets came out. We're in Fargo. Uh, Sink. So, do you want to do you want to preview uh, Mankato first, or do you want to go into the full bracket and um, all the controversy? How about we? How about we? Um, we preview? get the Mankato preview first, okay. and then we can get into the hot stuff. Uh, swept Mankato earlier this season. Um, and uh, what was it? Three, two and four, three, uh, at home, uh, caster, I believe started the first game. I think Bassey started the second. We were in the midst of the rotation. Um, didn't allow a power play goal, uh, against, and which was, um, you know, fairly impressive considering where Mankato ended up with, that was uh, 27 uh, Mankato. Mankato did did score a power play goal. Oh, they did um, on Friday. That was that was the first power play goal that St. Cloud had. That's that right. Year. That's right. But that was their only power play goal that they scored that weekend. That was actually from Sam Morton, who got hurt shortly thereafter. He's off to a good start this year for them. Scored a goal in each of these games against St. Cloud, but hurt got hurt in the beginning part of November for the and he's done for the year. So he's he will not be a factor here. Another interesting part about that series was that you mentioned St. Cloud being still with their goaltending rotation. This was in Mankato's basically the first half of the year. They had a rotation between Keenan Rancier and Alex Tracy and Rancier got the Friday game, Tracy, the Saturday game. Uh, Tracy, like I said, that was the weekend after Mankato beat Duluth and not just beat Duluth, but annihilated Duluth. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was like our first inkling of maybe Duluth's not as hot as we think they are this year. And Tracy got both of those games against Duluth. So I was, a, I remember being mildly surprised that they, they put Rancier in on Friday and came back to Tracy. But as it turned out, um, again, they were sort of splitting time in the first half of the year. In 2023, Rancier has played every minute for Mankato. And obviously there was going to be a bit of a drop-off uh, in in goaltending stats uh, for Man- for Mankato coming off of the five year run of McKay four year run excuse me McKay which culminated in him winning the Hobie last year, um, so he is not Dryden McKay but Rancier put up a one eighty one goals against this year uh, nine fifteen save percentage so you know uh, that's not bad uh, certainly Caster esque at least. Uh, yeah, you know, or Bassy esque. I mean, the goals against is lower, but uh, the save percentage is lower than than those two as well. So, uh, I think that was maybe the first half when they were struggling. There was just some weird home, like they were really struggling at home. They got swept at home against Ferris Evans State. Got swept at home against Bemidji, and at the time it was kind of like they just can't. They don't really have a, a goalie figured out here. Well, it seems like they've figured that part out at least. It went unbeaten in January. Had a had a real nice stretch there, uh, beginning part of 2023, and were able to win the McNaughton. Uh, we recapped kind of the crazy way they did that against Michigan Tech in the last game of the year. Um, but then, and then really had to sweat it out. You know, their their first two two rounds of the playoffs weren't didn't really break much of a sweat uh, against Lake State and Paris Effin State. Uh, they were able to beat Ferris this time at home, but uh, had to sweat it out against Northern Michigan down two nothing with about two minutes to go in the game. 
but were able to tie it up and and win in overtime uh, miraculously. That's that's quite the meltdown uh, from the Wildcats uh, there. So so that and that that game they needed to win. I mean, how it all shook out on Friday, Mankato was not they were not going to make it as an at large. Meaning, there were scenarios coming into the weekend that if they lost, they still would have been uh, in at large. But after Friday's results, that was off the table. So that Saturday title game was a win or go home scenario for both teams. And like I said, 58 minutes into that game was not looking very hot mm-hmm. for Mankato, but they were able to gut it out and win that game and and earn not only a berth in the uh, tournament, but a three seed. You know, it's just weird. Like if they had lost, they wouldn't have even made the tournament, but they win and they get a three seed. And so they line up with the Huskies. As you said, that that series against them in October seems like a lifetime. Yeah, it does. Uh, and that was another, that was a series for St. Cloud's perspective, at least, you know, I'll go back and listen to a little bit of it because from my perspective, remember, you know, you beat St. Thomas in Wisconsin for those first two weekends of the year, not terribly impressed with like just the, the opponents you're playing there. It's not like that. We weren't impressed. It was just like, okay, well let's just wait until we play a decent team here. And then we can maybe adequately judge how good this Huskies team is. And after that sweep of Mankato, who I thought played pretty well that weekend uh, from my recollection, I, I think I remember saying like they didn't deserve to get swept based on how well they played that weekend. Um, I'm talking Mankato. I thought they played pretty well. Uh, and, but that was kind of the first weekend where it's like maybe something special here for St. Cloud. Um, even able to, to win a game uh, that you maybe were outplayed that Saturday game. 37-21 was the shot advantage for, for Mankato. They outshot them both nights. That one, that night, Saturday was, was more lopsided. Um, and that was the game that ended with that controversial no call with uh, Kupka stripping the puck of from Livingston behind the net, which Mankato fans seemed to think was a trip. Um, but then he fed it to Kurchink out front and scored the goal, and that won them the game. There were very entertaining games. I remember both both games were very entertaining. But I was impressed with how much speed that Mankato had. I, I kind of think of them as more of a slow kind of plotting team, but no, they, they definitely have some speed and skill. I remember being impressed with Cilia, um, that game. It's, so it's interesting how, how their narrative has changed throughout the season coming into the year, uh, that Brendan furry was, I believe the CCHA like co-player of the year, like to start the year, like he was, he was the preseason player of the year because he had a 40 plus point year last year. And there was a lot of hype around him. He kind of had a dud of a year, took a step back, 28 point season, which isn't bad, but certainly not player of the year type type of a season from him. Sandlin also had a step back this year, not as drastic of a point drop off, but, but he had a, a, a not as good of a year this year that he did last year. Borchard, another one of their forwards, he had a 40 point season last year, 25, 25 point season this season so i mean they've had some and that morton who looked pretty good to start the year but he gets injured um i remember 
being impressed with Celia, who was a Clarkson transfer, he ended up having their best season, 39 points. However, uh, reading some of Shane Frederick's writing uh, about this last weekend, it's already kind of doing some scouting of Mankato. Interesting tidbit there is he left that game against Northern Michigan uh, with an injury. And mm. if he's out, that's a huge loss for them because he's their leading scorer at 39 points. Uh, and I think he even said like they tried to, they tried to get him back on the ice, but it just was a no go. Um, so I'm kind of, I even checked today if there was any update from that. I couldn't find any. Um, and it might be a game time decision type thing, but uh, definitely keep an eye on that because that'd be a, a gigantic loss um, for Mankato if not, but you, you got to, you got a plan for him being a part of the offense. Yeah. Uh, and um, they have a really good defensive core. We mentioned that Livingston, he's good defensively and he he's offensive minded as well. A 35 point season for him this year. He had a 30 point year last year as well for them. Hiroshi, another similar mold uh, type defenseman where it's good on the back end, but he'll chip in offensively as well. Uh, he had a 27-point season from the back end. He had another Carroll 25-point season as a defenseman as well. So their their defense can can chip in on the offense as well. Um, Well-coached. St. Cloud State grad Mike Hastings behind the bench. Only the best. wonder if he is uh, going to get another raise this year <laughs> because the team is going to be interested in throwing him some cash. Uh, hint, hint, Wisconsin. But, Let's start uh, the rumors. <laughs> this will be a hairless matchup at the coaches because yep. I know that that, Hair, that is it a hairless Hastings. regional. <laughs> I don't I, I don't know oh, the Kanisha head coach. I think the Kanisha's coach has a head of hair. Uh, um, but maybe he'll get into the, the the swing of things. He'll get into the habit and and go cue ball style. There you go. Uh, yeah, because because Matsko Matsko brings the cue ball game himself. Oh yeah. Uh, as we as we know, he's the so, he's the resident Santarian. I, I don't I don't know what that means, but I'll <laughs> I'll go with it. Uh, it's know? a it, so, yeah. it's a Doctor Who reference. So if anybody watches okay, Doctor, that, that who, makes sense that I don't get the reference. I know what Doctor Who is. And I don't don't get the uh, the, the in depth verbiage. Uh, so what are you thinking about this matchup? I I don't I don't even like to think that hey Saint Cloud swept him this year or so advantage huskies because I, I do think it was two different teams like teams that have uh that are playing differently yeah especially when it's the that early in the year too right, right, it's right. that that that's tough both teams have so different um i i I'm I'm interested in going back to watching those games because um, they'll be on NCHC yeah. TV. Um, so I might uh, might go back and watch just a, a little bit of period here, a period there, just just to kind of see how they played against us. And because again, I mean, I'm worried about an aggressive forecheck. Um, I do want to go back to um, last uh, last weekend or uh, the Frozen Faceoff tournament. I thought uh, Cooper Wiley had another strong weekend um, there in person and. Um, I also want to give a shout out to uh, Spencer Meyer. I gave him a shout out on Twitter as well, and he he liked it. But uh, the family in front of me, um, actually, Spencer Meyer gave the little kid um, his stick. Um, and uh, just the little kid's face was just so incredibly happy. <laughs> so it was uh, it was just kind of kind of cool to see it. So I was able to 
I was able to touch the the stick of Spencer Meyer and kind of see what stick he uses. It's a jet speed, in case you're wondering. But, um, but uh, just um, you know, to have a, a a captain like that who is so involved in the community as well, um, and um, that he's able to do that and just make some kids' day like that. It's just just pretty cool. I mean, especially because those those sticks aren't uh, aren't cheap. So, but, um. Anyway, back to the, uh, you know, uh, Cooper, I guess I can go back and look to see, did, did um, you know, how did the defense look for those games? Um, just kind of looking at the, uh, you know, our, our, our freshmen, they're a lot more um, well-versed at that point, uh, you know, than they, uh, they were earlier this season. Uh, Ludke was out for both games. He was injured right. already for that point. Um, they and uh, we rotated Wiley and Rainiers. So yeah. uh, Wiley got the seventh defenseman on on the Friday game, and Rainiers got the uh, seventh on Saturday. Zemer played both nights, um, and then obviously Anhorn and Meyer were the top pairing. So that's going to be different as well. So, um. Yeah, from what I remember, I I'd like to go back to watch some of these games too because let's do it. Let's do a viewing party. Well, what what do you say? Just off the top of my head, what I remember that Friday game, I feel like I feel like Saint Cloud didn't get their first shot like the first ten minutes. I remember thinking like, boy, Mankato is just like flying right now. But looking at the box score, like Saint Cloud outshot him in the first period on Friday, ten to seven. Um, so I don't. I maybe my maybe my memory is faulting me. But I feel like I was just impressed with with Mankato that weekend in a way that I've even like last year when they made the national title game and St. Cloud played down there, Mankato won a one nothing game and St. Cloud beat them. I felt like that's more the style of Mankato that I that I have associated with that, which is just kind of big, physical, relying on a really good goalie and not a ton of offensive pressure. But that that sort of put that notion to bed. Just that the very first you know, half of the period on Friday. Again, my memories might be it's a couple of old fashions ago, uh, <laughs> so to speak. So I might be uh, completely off, but that's kind of why I want to go back to, to watch it again, because I, I felt like, again, it Mankato didn't play like they played way better to the sense where they should not have gotten swept. That's, that's just kind of how I remember it. Um, but throw that out the window. I mean, what, one thing I like, you know, we're talking, we'll, we'll get more into this, but talking about like other potential matchups, we've been talking about Ohio state a lot that looked like a very potential matchup in the first round. Jeez. So and I think I, Sophie has a 26% shooting percentage, 12 power play goals. Holy cow. So, and I remember he's sorry. being, he was very impressive that weekend too. Um, so, uh, very good hands, very good skater. I, I, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Ohio State. Continue. Oh yeah, we always get sidetracked <laughs> here. But so I and it seemed like you really were liking the idea of a potential matchup with Ohio State. I probably agree. I I think I would say that I'll say this. I think that Ohio State is probably a more favorable matchup than Mankato is, yeah. even though. Ohio State is higher than them in pairwise. We'll get to that, but but I almost 
I think I like playing Mankato for a couple of reasons. Um, it's kind of the devil you know, number one. Like, you're familiar with this team, whereas I don't think they've ever played Ohio. I think they played Ohio State in, like, a one of those Florida tournaments, like, 15 years ago. Certainly have not played Ohio State anytime recently, anytime in, in Larson's tenure or in the NCHC era. Certainly, if they've ever played Ohio State, it has been a long time ago. So you you have a bit of an unknown there, whereas Mankato, you're very familiar with them. Played them twice this year, played them twice last year, played them in the Frozen Four uh, in 2021. In the NCHC era, it seems like it's almost been every season except one or two that you've played this team in non-conference. So the, the familiarity aspect, um, I, I like. And I also like the fact that because of that, because you are familiar with them, there is a rivalry here. I mean, I, I don't think it's the same as the North Dakota rivalry or the Gopher rivalry or Duluth, but I do think that these these two teams don't like each other, and especially when you play in the Frozen Four in the NCAA tournament, that really ratchets up a rivalry. And what I was saying again, coming down the stretch when when the the fade was the February fade when we were in that phase for the Huskies. I was like, let's let's drop in pairwise because I I I want the Huskies play their best when they really when they feel like they're an underdog or when they when they feel like they need to get up for an opponent. Mm-hmm. There are certain opponents that they struggle getting up against. I was again a little unsure of can they get up for CC? Um, can, you know, are they really able to get up to an AIC type team? I don't think they're going to have a problem getting up for Mankato. Yep. And I like that. I like that. I, that idea. Whereas Ohio state, yes, they're a big, huge name brand school, but from a hockey perspective, they're kind of anonymous, I think. And they don't have any history with them. And so, uh, I like the idea of playing Mankato because I think the team knows exactly what's at stake here. They don't need really any artificial, motivation to play this game and because it's relatively close and it gives local fans an opportunity to go there i think the atmosphere will be decent so i i think that's a that's a good environment for the huskies to to play a game so whereas i from a game perspective mankato could win this game four to one and it could look lopsided like i think they're a good team and st cloud needs to take them seriously I, i think they do take them seriously I don't think this is going to be an easy matchup at all. Not at all. Um, nope. But I think and, that St. Cloud ha- can definitely win this game four to one too. So uh, it's I'm just I'm excited to see a an entertaining atmosphere type game. Well, um, especially with the national with. semifinal, how how much of an entertaining game that was. Um, you know, correct. Uh, a five to four with the Nolan Walker tip with you know under a minute left yeah. to go in the game. But also, Mankato, stud goalie at that time. And that's where, again, you you get these num- goalies with the gaudy numbers. St. Cloud actually can kind of have their number. Um, they had McKay's number. Other than that one nothing shutout he had last year, I think that was his only win against the Huskies. Mm-hmm. Um, because you remember that Mariucci Classic in 2019, the sort of the down year for Larson. That was Okabe at four. Yeah, Okabe at four. Game. Yeah, That was... I don't know if all four of them were on McKay because he was pulled, but that was maybe his worst game as a college goalie ever because they pulled him, they chased him, and 
They scored bunches of goals against him that, that night. So I uh, did a little bit of research. Uh, 2004-2005, uh, the icebreaker third place game, St. Cloud State against Ohio State. Where would that have been at? Um, That was... Omaha? I think they played an icebreaker in Omaha. Durham, North Carolina. Or no, not, not North, North Carolina. Durham, New Hampshire. I was going to say... The Duke, Duke University, icebreaker. the Duke Blue Devils icebreaker. <laughs> Why not? Let's put it there. Let's hey, they were playing CHA championships in Des Moines, Urbandale, Iowa. Yeah, so let's. Why not? So why not? Throw the game, baby. Uh, Huskies win three to one. So we're one to zero against them. So that's their only yep. game they've ever played yep. against Ohio State ever. Uh, goals scored by Dave Ionazzo, who was born to score. Classic. Uh, TJ McElroy uh, and Andrew Gordon. So you said this is 0405. This is my freshman year. That must have been like their first games they ever played when I was, since I was a student. Because you know? yeah. I'm sure that was their first weekend of the that year. That was the first week. Yeah, well, yep. Uh, St. Lawrence, uh, we tied one to one St. Lawrence, and St. Lawrence won in a shootout to advance in the icebreaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what an interesting kind of side note to this. Um, you know, uh, Jason Montgomery with the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State was 0 for 10 on the power play. Oh, my. St. <laughs> Cloud had 12 penalties for 24 minutes. Justin Fletcher <laughs> had quite a few penalties this game. The best part. Oh, man, this was this was big, big in the obstruction era. Like, yeah. like this was. Yep. And my my favorite penalty call maybe ever what well, uh, during this era was obstruction interference which well, it just is like the it's, it's the redundancy redundant. that's straight yeah. from the uh, redundant department of redundancy department <laughs> it's just <laughs> absolute obstruction interference oh okay God, what a what a time Justin Fletcher holding the stick Justin Fletcher holding Casey Boron in the box score at all. Uh, Casey Borer. Or yep. I'm getting a Tim Boron was their backup. Tim Boron was their backup goalie. Yep. Joe Jensen for diving. <laughs> really? Matt Stevenson holding Stevenson obstruction interference. Damn. Um, Fletcher for holding uh, Nate Raiden hooking Stevenson cross check. Andrew Gordon, two minutes hitting from behind. Billy Hengen, two minutes roughing. Grant Clafton, two minutes obstruction interference. Ah, <laughs> oh, those were. We should. We could just do this all. Day. We can just go on random box scores oh, and just man. list off. The should names. we? Should we do that? Maybe for the era. off season. Hey, we need. Yeah, we need some ideas <laughs> for the the summer podcasts. Here we so go. That's, a, that's not a half bad one. Okay, just ju- just quickly. I'm gonna pick a random year. Let's uh, let's pick the 10-11 season. What's going on here? And I'm gonna pick this four to three overtime win against Cornell on December 29th. Who was the game winner? Cam Reed from Drew LeBlanc. That was that would have been the infamous Florida tournament. That, God, wait a shenanigans. I think there were some shenanigans that weekend. Was that Tony, the, the Tony Mosey's last stand? I think that was Tony Mosey's last stand. 
Did he play in this you game? Did, you didn't. You didn't pick this random. I swear wanted, I did. You wanted to bring this <laughs> up swear. because of that. I well, when he said Cornell, I'm like, when the hell have they played Cornell? Oh, and then, man. yeah, uh, Florida trip. Yeah, Tony Mosey. Um, yeah, he was he was in the lineup, and then obviously the next series against Michigan Tech, and Tony Mosey is, is not nowhere to be found. <laughs> College mm-hmm. hockey's version of Siberia God. at that point, I think. Still, still going to be forever known as the uh, the uh, uh, game winning goal scorer. Still go down in St. Cloud State right. history against. Well, and that 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 sh- those shenanigans that was not the walking on the cop car. Yeah, that was, that was different. It was separate incidents. So, ooh, separate instances. All star. <laughs> In many, in, in a couple of senses. God. That's actually not a bad idea for like a, you know, we used to do like the who wore the number mm-hmm. bit. That's not a bad bit to kill like two minutes on a show. It's just like mm. pull up a random just box score. Random box score. From, from like when we, when we were going to games like mid 2000s and just kind of say what happened. I, I just can't believe I picked the Florida ever. I just picked a random non-conference <laughs> game and that's, uh, that was, was that there. the game. That, so was that the championship game? No, that was the. Uh, that. Um, who did they play? Who did they play in the uh, in the championship? Miami. They won the tournament. Miami. Miami would have been good too. Yeah. that year. That was when Miami was still good. Uh, good time. Nick Dowd from Doodle Blah and Garrett Rowe. It's a good. It's a good trio. Jeez, we had eleven shots on goal that game. <laughs> we won the Miami game. Yeah, we won uh, four goals on eleven shots. That's good. Uh, Mike Lee with the win. That is good. Oliver Lordson, so, two minutes charging, five minutes face washing. It says face yes, washing. Yes, it says <laughs> face washing. I wonder what the oh, uh, official, man. the the hand gesture for yeah. that is. Like, it's got to be some wax on, wax off kind of thing. <laughs> I think. Yeah, some fun with that. Uh, St. Cloud State, 10 penalties for 23 minutes. Miami, 11 penalties for 25 minutes. Boy. They hated each other. Yeah, what a right. Well, they, I think they. Why? Why can't we hate each other this much now? Why can't? They? See, this is this is why we shouldn't go into this rabbit hole. These rabbit holes until the like the Aussies, but we, we're getting yeah, sidetracked. But that's right. I think that we're in the year, NCAA they, tournament. I think they, we should talk about. It. Check this. It, did they start that? They Miami played in St. Cloud as a non-conference game. Would have been at the very beginning of that year, and I think it was a Miami beat them and they tied, but Miami. Like smoke the one game they won, they absolutely smoked them six and to three. Even the tie, and it wasn't even that close. And the tie yeah, we, was like a uh, sneak out the back door kind of. How did we tie them? Scenario from St. Cloud's perspective, like Miami was a machine then. I think that would have been Mealy's Hobie year. So they were really good. Yeah, and, and it's weird to think about a Miami team that was really good. Yeah. So that was earlier that year that they played them in the Florida tournament. Yeah, Miami won that same season. Miami won six to three, and we scored two goals uh, late in the third on the power play. Okay, yeah. so it was a bit, and they took their foot off the gas. It was, yeah, it was. They were very good, and Saint Cloud was not not especially good. Thing. Which is weird, kind of considered looking at the roster and what it became. Right, and it would have been after the you know getting the monkey off the back year, the Mosey goal mm-hmm. against Northern Michigan. So I, I think there was a bit of hype coming into the year, but it was shortly, I mean, soon into the season, it, it was like, yeah, this team is not all that hot. Yeah. And then the Florida tournament happened. 
That was kind of the rock. Even though they won the tournament, it was kind of like that. Are, the party and that over. started a kind of a winning streak because we swept <laughs> Michigan Tech. We swept Bemidji State. So, well, but uh, anyway, no, back to back yeah. to NCAA tournament. <laughs> talk. Yeah, let's get to the good stuff now. Uh, <laughs> that was all based on the. As it turned out, non-situation that St. Cloud might play Ohio State. Uh, but maybe we can get into so, that, like the, the scenarios that prevent Hey, that. they played Ohio State once. Let's talk about something else for 10 minutes. We've got so many people listening just pissed off at us right now. We're, we're just, we're, we're leading them on here. We're... we're they want us to get to the real hot takes here, hot takes. Uh, even though I really don't have a ton. I mean, you, you know what my, I obviously agree wholeheartedly with what the committee did. That's not exactly true. I, again, my, my whole thing on the little mini podcast was, I, I'm just trying to predict what I think the committee will do. It's not necessarily what I would do. Mm-hmm. Although I would have rather, if I would have seen the St. Cloud Mankato matchup, I would have put it in Fargo. So yeah. It doesn't deviate a whole lot. If the problems, if you, if you have a problem, if I have a problem with this setup, it's the inherent problems with the NCAA tournament at with, large. Which with is the system in general. The it's The host yeah. school stuff. The thing that you had to lock in Penn State at eight in their home regional and avoiding interconference uh, games. Like all of those things are issues I have, but they're longstanding issues that are just kind of baked into the system at this point. So... I'm just trying to predict what I think the people in charge of of assigning the brackets will do. And as I mentioned on the show, I said if they don't put that matchup, the St. Cloud Mankato matchup, if they don't go with that in Fargo, it's because they think that Gophers will be hosed. And well, it sounds like a lot of people think the Gophers got hosed. Uh should we maybe just kind of, if you just refresh your memory, so this was the Fargo Regionals with the Gophers and Canisius, Gophers being the number one overall seed. They draw the 6-11 matchup, again, in pairwise. When we're talking about the seeds here, that's in the pairwise. Um, so the 6-11 matchup was St. Cloud and, and Cato. Obviously, you couldn't put the 8-9 matchup with the Gophers, which you normally would want to do with the number one overall seed, being Penn State and Ohio State. Needed to break that up somehow. The Gophers weren't going to go to Allentown. I mean, if that's the thing. So if you're, if you're, this is the problem I have with the bracket integrity argument, which I used to be all in favor of that. I used to side on the favor of, you just need to go strictly bracket integrity as much as possible. The problem there is that that's just gives, that gives the pairwise way too much power. It's like the pairwise is God. Yeah. And the, the math is just not that. Especially when everybody knows the flaws in the system in general. Like, and there's there's flaws that we don't even know about the pairwise at this point. I mean, they, they played last season. They played the entire last season with that flawed 55-45 overtime split. I'm too lazy to go back to think to, to, to check to see if anyone got hosed like out of the tournament because of that. I kind of doubt that. But it's possible. I mean, it's theoretically possible that someone could have not made the field because of that. And they played an entire season. Until someone said, hey, you got to change that. So I know that. And there was there was the uh, in the mid 2000s where the Tuck Cliff, uh, the team's Teams under consideration, under consideration, the Tuck classic CHN article there, the Wisconsin playing Anchorage in a conference playoff game 
where because Anchorage was right on the edge of being a team under consideration, Wisconsin, they stood to gain by losing that game. And they still didn't change the teams under consideration for like another six years <laughs> after that. So my whole thing is 6-11 matchup being St. Cloud and Mankato. That's what this set of numbers spits out. It does not mean that these are the exact sixth best team and 11th best team. For that matter, it, it, I'm not even sold on the fact that Minnesota's the number one best team. It's just what this computer formula spits out. And the, the differences between RPI are so thin to think that this is all set in stone, I think is crazy. You want to jump in? Yeah, I just want a quick question on your take on when you're talking about you used to be strict bracket integrity. What are your, what, what are your thoughts then when it comes to conference matchups? Um, if that's how they match up, that's how they match up. Or even I mean, then, I, were you like still split them up, seeing somebody like if we were to see Minnesota Duluth in the in the NCAA tournament, I'd blow my brains out. <laughs> so, like, where do you sit on like that side of it for splitting up conference matchups? I mean, yeah, I, 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 I guess I don't have a real hot take on that, like. I think, yes, ideally, you you would want to avoid first-round matchups between two teams in a conference. Um, And and they have made, there is an exception to that rule. If a team puts in more than half of the teams of their league, you can disregard that rule. So the Wisconsin rule, I don't know if you want to get out the the sound (laughs) effect one more time. We're not even really talking about the, the actual rule, but the team that led to that rules Wisconsin rule update. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Wisconsin uh, ended up playing Denver in the first round of the play of the NCAAs that year because the WCHA got six teams in of a, from a five team league. Uh, not only did they get Denver in a first round matchup, they got to play that at the Cole at center. the Cole center. Uh, yep. And then they played North Dakota the next game. And, and yeah, won uh, the game against Denver. Won the game against Denver and then played North Dakota. I think they went to overtime. It was very close. Um, but uh, as a 500 team playing a regional final in their own building against a conference, two conference uh, opponents. But anyway, so it has happened before. Um, but so in this case, yeah, I, I don't think it's all that unreasonable to, okay, you want to avoid Penn State and Ohio State to do it eight ten and then seven nine that doesn't really offend me too much. It wouldn't offend me to have Ohio State and Penn State play either. Like I don't really care about those teams. They can go cannibalize themselves. That's another thing too that I don't like. So um I mentioned this on that show where they they can move around teams within the seed band that they're in. So like we you can reseed the two seeds if you're a two seed, if you fall between the fifth and the eighth seed, there's lenience there to move some teams around, but you can't move a team from the third seed band to the second seed band. What that the line between eight and nine is like the Berlin wall. <laughs> Cannot you be crossed. Cross you well, look at, that's, shall that's the, not pass. But that's like a perfect example this year where eight, eight was Penn state. Uh, nine was Ohio State. Uh, they played each other. Penn St- or Iowa State actually won the pairwise comparison against Penn State this year. 
because they beat them four out of seven times this year. Uh, so they had the same amount of pairwise wins. They both had 52 wins, but because of their razor thin RPI advantage, 0.0032 points in RPI, even though Ohio State head to head wins that pairwise comparison. No, no, no. Penn State's eight and they're a two seed written in stone. That's stupid. At least I like you could, I, I would say you could move what my my preferred position here is how the NCAA basketball tournament runs it whereas they use RPI RPI is definitely a factor in their decision making as to how they uh, assign the brackets in March Madness but that's just one factor they don't rely on it to the slavish degree that that hockey has for for years for 20 plus years now and when I, I really haven't, get, haven't watched any of the basketball this year, which I, I tried to, but I forgot to do a bracket even this year. So, but I remember after the field was announced, there was like, you know, some interview with like the committee. And I remember that they were talking about some, some team. I can't remember which doesn't really matter. They were talking about their resume and how, why they seeded them. I think it was like seeding them a one seed versus a two seed. And they went through, okay, these are the good wins that they had this year. They said they won these two games against ranked teams by 20 plus points. So they're like actually looking at the scores pairwise. You can win two to one, one, nothing or 10 to one. It all goes in the record, the the computer, the same, it all is weighted the same, which I think is stupid. Like you should be able to have a human element there to look at two teams, two or three teams that are right around a borderline area that you could move those teams up and down. You can look at that and say, let's build a, a, a narrative from this season. Their good wins, the the bullet points in their resume. Like, for instance, if the Gophers are complaining so much, I think the fact that they lost the Big Ten title game should factor into the fact that they, they didn't get as easy, quote unquote, of a regional as if they would have won that. I think a conference title game should mean something or a conference tournament championship should mean something. Um, same as if you win the regular season uh, championship. That all goes into your resume and then, and also looking at the RPI, that can be a guide, a very valuable guide uh, for the committee. But I just don't like the complete and utter reliance on it. Uh, And especially when you're just, when you're, when you're so, you can't, you can't reseed teams within, to a different seed. These kind of are, these kind of really strict rules, I'm not a huge fan of. So. Like I said, this particular field, yes, I, I predicted it, how it shook out, but that's not exactly what it's, I'm not saying like, this is why, this is what I would want to do if I was in charge. The, the main thing I would do is I would take the pairwise off of, from the status of God almighty, which is what it is now to one tool in the tool bag. Uh, but a person holds that tool bag or a group of people hold that tool bag and they use that to inform their decisions. But ultimately it's not the ultimate arbiter. I mean, look at like the, uh, I know I'm on a rant here, but like, do you remember, does anyone remember the BCS uh, for college football? Like don't think that that has a real good legacy. Nope. And I know that, I mean, people don't really like the current situation either, but it's more so like you just want more teams in. 
I don't think people, and, and from, from the March Madness perspective, do we have these type of te- temper tantrums from teams about their, their draw in the bracket? I'm sure there is. I mean, Twitter is a, a vast, uh, dark place. Uh, <laughs> to uh, say the least. Larson, right. Uh, but, uh, but it seems, it doesn't seem like there's everyone's up in arms about the NCAA basketball tournament field, even though that involves a lot more teams and a lot more fans, a lot more eyeballs. It's still one of the most, probably other than the Super Bowl, it's like the biggest sporting event in the world, probably. So it seems like they do a decent job of selecting their field. Maybe hockey can take a, a tip or two from them. I'll stop to breathe. I know I'm sort of going on at length here. Well, what did I you just, think? Like, what was your first reaction when you saw the field? Well, my first reaction obviously was, oh, weird. Andrew's right. Um, yeah, he obviously nailed the, uh, the bracket. Um, but my second reaction was, yeah. Okay. Mankato that all that makes sense. Uh, it wasn't until a little bit later when I saw so much of the discourse on Twitter and the people ranting about how Minnesota's getting screwed here. And I'm just kind of picking my brain on thinking if eight, nine is two big 10 teams, how is Minnesota getting screwed? And I can't even come up with an answer. Everyone's pointing to the fact that there's a 16, a six team a six-seeded team in their regional. First off, I find it funny nobody is also factoring that there's an 11-seed team in the regional. I mean, and and to just automatically pencil in St. Cloud State, which I would love to do, I think we're going to win, but this is no gimme. (laughs) Um, Even though that it took to the last game of the year for for Minnesota State to go ahead and win it um, or to, to get in the tournament. But but they're only factoring in on that aspect, which I guess tells me that they're scared of St. Cloud State, um, because that's the only thing I can come back to. The other thing is everyone's like, this is screwing out the West and yeah. manifest destinies because the Minnesota teams all in one bracket is just the, and then they they like I should buy stock in Reynolds wrap. And because with how many aluminum foil tin oil hats are being made right now that this is a massive conspiracy that starts at the top, I guess with Sandlin, <laughs> who is the right. NCHC representative on the committee that like, it's just, it's, it's not fair to the Minnesota teams because we can't have three Minnesota teams in the regional. And we definitely should, even though Breck in- integrity, which is some people's point does match two Minnesota teams together. So already you can blow a hole in your theory. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, it's inconsistent. <laughs> so, if you were going strictly bracket integrity, then St. Cloud Mankato would be the matchup. And why fly? But in your, why in your fly world, in that world, you'd want that matchup to be in Bridgeport. Um, I'm sorry. If I was still in St. Cloud, um, I'd probably go to Fargo for this matchup. If I was in St. Cloud and they were playing in Bridgeport, there's no way in hell I'd be going to Bridgeport. Well, and I'm I'm assuming there's more people that are like they're in that boat where they're likely much more likely to go to this game because it's in Fargo versus if it was in Bridgeport. That 
the, the whole three Minnesota teams in a regional, that's a feature, not a bug. That, that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm, like, I don't process how Minnesota is getting screwed, or even the whole state, or like, though they have to have Eastern representation in the final, so they're putting, and it's it's just, I, I just don't see this as a massive conspiracy. Uh, that I think it make, I think it it jacks up the 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 hype and the narrative and the drama for that regional, uh, and so I, the other the other sort of solution that I saw because I, I I recorded the podcast without reading anybody else's bracketology I didn't want to taint my thinking in any way we don't so need any other like, bracketologists I, we got the master I start I literally because I got I was doing my brackets at the last 10 minutes of the game of the third period, but the game wasn't even over yet. I basically start hit record like within five minutes of the game. And like I watch a little bit of the, uh, the celebration stuff, but then I'm like, okay, let's yeah, you, you start this. Cause I want to get it out. You text me that you had it up like between tequila shots. It was so that was between, really impressive. Between tequila, bon- beer bongs. <laughs> right. Yes. So, uh, so, uh, but the other option would have been doing something like, Seven nine or uh, six nine, nice. nice. Um, St. Cloud and Ohio State in Fargo, and then Harvard versus Mankato in Bridgeport. Which I mean, I'll be willing to say is probably more fair from the bracket integrity standpoint, but just less compelling. Like I would rather see, and and from the Gophers transfer bracket, we still have the evil six seed. In Fargo, mm-hmm. in that scenario, you still have St. Cloud in that scenario. So, is it all about you'd rather have the higher seeded third seed in Ohio State than Minnesota State? As you said, like, yeah, you have the sixth seed, but you also have the eleventh seed along with it. So, uh, there's a possibility that you could be facing in this. First of all, what I'll say, my my biggest piece of advice for Gopher fans that are that are shattering their teeth right now apparently in fear as a long-suffering husky fan my only piece of <laughs> advice is do not underestimate the atlantic team yeah that, that's we we've been through that so before, too many times before you wring your hands too much about this st cloud mankato matchup focus on Canisius. uh they're not going to be an easy out for you uh they're the easiest out possible. That's your. That's the big benefit for being the one seed. You get to stay close to home, and you get the worst team in the field in Canisius. Other beyond that, I don't think that the committee is really. Uh, they, they don't owe. Yeah, you they don't, the yeah. easiest path. Like you still need to win the games. These are all. Good Everybody's teams good in at the this field. point. <laughs> so, right. and so it's not on the committee to lay your, to, to, to lay the primrose path to the frozen four, just, and to give you a, a push start in that go Huskies. They gave you the push start as much as they could by giving the worst team in the field. Go, go Huskies. Woo had a good tweet about it. Um, Basically the selection committee is in no way obligated to put three differently seated teams from three different conferences and separate regionals just to satiate your wet dream of a colloquial frozen four. And I guess everyone wants to relive the magic of the all WCHA frozen four. And since then, everyone has this theory that the committee is purposely doing it again. Like 
like messing it up for all of us because they don't want that because it looked bad or something. I don't know. Every time that you even question it, like they get more into this huge conspiracy theory web of like it's all set to screw over fill in the blank. And I just I don't think they put that much thought into that. And I think you talked about it in 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 the uh preview or the uh your bracketology is that I feel like there's one team actually getting screwed over out of all of this. And that's Quinnipiac. I mean the fact and I don't think they're getting like really screwed over, but they're the number two overall seed. Arguably should be the number one, but um arguably because I mean they're also incredibly good. Not that, you know, obviously the pairwise blah blah blah. But anyway, I mean the fact that, you know, they're their first round matchup is a 14 <laughs> seated in the pairwise with Miramac. I think that's an incredibly short end of the stick that they drew. Right. It's, and it's all, tr- it's, it's uh it, it, there's no perfect solution. That's the thing. There's a economist that I, that I find interesting called Thomas soul. One of his like trade or catchphrases is there are no solutions. There's only trade-offs. And that's what you have to weigh here. If you like, once you solve one solution for somebody, then you might create two more problems mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're putting, you, you got a boot in each hand and you're swatting flies and, but there's nothing they're They're still coming and you're never going to make everyone happy. Like I, I had the, I guess, unfortunate luck because I was working during the selection show and I didn't have ESPN. U. I was doing this on Saturday too, because I was unable to, to find the, um, the stream of the Mankato game. Um, I went to Twitter. It is like the one benefit of Twitter is to get like updates, like up to the minute updates with stuff like Mm -hmm. that, sporting events or stuff like that, that especially like you could do that. You could find other ways, like a game cast on ESPN for like a basketball game or something like that. But for college hockey, very obscure sport. Twitter is maybe your best friend with that kind of stuff. So when I went on it on Sunday, because I basically just found out the brackets, based on like CHN uh, uh, tweeting them out uh, in real time. And yeah, I was subject to this vitriol that I was sort of stunned at. And I shouldn't be, I guess. Twitter brings out the worst takes of everybody, but the, the gopher, the gopher, it's, it's really weird to me. And I think it's not, it's not necessarily that they're scared of the talent. I, cause I think that they would say that the golfers have the better team between St. Cloud and Mankato. Sure. What they hate is it's, it's the, we hate that it's Mankato play. They're older, they're bigger, they're older, they're bigger, they're older. Uh, they have more they facial hair in the tournament. They always beat us in the tournament because they're older and we're younger and they're older. Uh, and they, they're, I think they're, especially because the last two years they've lost to Mankato and lost kind of badly to Mankato in both cases. I feel like they have some PTSD about that. And again, they think that their way of getting all the blue chip 18 year olds is the way that everybody else should play it. Um, Or at least maybe not the blue chip part. Everyone should play the 18 year olds. They only get the blue chippers, but um, I think that's a part of it. Cause I said, like 
St. Cloud, I, I, I don't think they are the 98 Red Wings uh, necessarily. Um, I, I, and they're, if they're the number one overall seed, a six seed should be no problem for them. Yeah. If they're as good as, as they think they are. And they got the best I mean, line they, on God's uh, that God hey, ever assembled. I mean, think, thinking about that, too. Like, so St. Cloud's, you know, Cranell's best player, I'd say. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Do you think Cranell is going to play in the NHL at all? No. In his career? I wouldn't think so either. The Gophers, that say their top four players might all play in the NHL, like, by the end of April. Cooley's gone. Nyes is gone. Faber's gone. Snuggerud might be the one that sticks around. I still think he's gone. Like this, this team is stacked talent wise. That doesn't, I don't I think thought there was some rumblings and I couldn't remember if it was Snuggerud or Cooley, but one of them said they were going to stay. I would be shocked if Cooley stayed, but it might've been. Cooley. I, I would be shocked, but uh, more power to him if he wants. I think that'd be good for the game for college hockey, but, uh, I mean, he's drafted by Arizona, too. Like, he could crack that lineup tomorrow if he wanted to. Yeah. But anyway, uh, they have a they have the skill here. This is a, a very, very good hockey team. Um, I still, I do not think, I would not put my money on Minnesota to win this tournament, though. Um, I don't think that they're going to win at all. Uh, and we saw a little bit of their cracks showing against Michigan in that title game. Uh, I don't trust and- any team that loses to Wisconsin. I mean, that's actually like my, my, you lose to a Granado coach team. I'm sorry. I'm not going to pick you to the win four straight against the best competition. Well, I guess that eliminates Michigan then too. Yes, it does actually eliminate Michigan too. I think Penn State, yeah, Penn State lost to him. Ohio State lost to him. So all the Big Ten. Guess what? I don't have the Big Ten Ten winning it. So there we go. I don't think I I have the Big Ten team surviving a regional. I have to double check. We'll get to that. So the other regionals, like if you're going to say that the Fargo regional is quote unquote, the toughest regional, I might agree with that. Um, again, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like overwhelmingly more difficult than the others. Um, but, but I just, I, I, I like the, the intrigue that the local angle gives it. The other the other argument that I saw too that I don't hold, think holds much water is this Fargo sold out months ago, so you shouldn't worry about attendance. Um, you should worry about atmosphere though, and those tickets will be available on the secondary market. Um, plus, schools do get allotments for these for these, so it wasn't all sold out ever at any point because they reserved. I don't know, thousand or like 700 tickets, I think, for each of the four schools that would have made it. Um, so there was going to, and if, if you wanted the St. Cloud, Ohio State matchup rather than St. Cloud, Mankato, it would have been less, less of an atmosphere there. Mm-hmm. So we can't always complain about no atmosphere, empty buildings. It's almost like, and of course, I'm first on that train to say, to criticize regional attendance. But when we have an opportunity to have a really good atmosphere and, and attendance for a regional, we should celebrate we should that. Celebrate we can't. It. We can't say like, "Oh, that goes against our narrative." The only so I can't be honest and say that this is a really good atmosphere. That's what we should yeah. be shooting for, and maybe that gives you more evidence to say, "Hey, maybe we can have this more often." And why was why was the formula there? Because these teams were able to travel to to, to the uh, facility to to see the game in person. The only really bummer I do have to say about it is 
just the the fact that the Fargo Shields Arena is, you know, only seats a few thousand. Um, I want to say maybe five thousand. It, it, it's about it's in that range. Um, whereas you know. Right, right now the regionals are going to be rotating between this and the Denny Sanford Center in Sioux Falls, which seats about double. Um, right. So that's where it's like that would have been a bummer because if all three of them were to be um, attended, I guess I have to double check what was the attendance back in the Air Force year. Um, I'll check that. But that and and that's where it's like I feel feel like this year, if it was in Sioux Falls, and that's just luck of the draw. That's just a bummer. Um, I would love to go to this regional, you know, and. If I do end up getting anybody who has a hookup on tickets for Saturday, if the Huskies do uh, beat Minnesota State, I would, I would, I would love to buy them from you. <laughs> um, I do have a babysitter lined up and everything, uh, just in case. Um, but it's, uh, but, but I, I just am like it, this. Feels like it was just such an easy chalk choice for the the bracket makers to make to put all these teams together and the regional to have atmosphere and um for for all of these games and i think i'm i'm overall really excited to um kind of see what this regional is going to be like because i think it's going to be a barn burner um versus you know some of the other regionals and how they're looking uh, for um attendance I know you said that Manchester is not looking terrible, apparently. According to a CHN hearsay report, for all I know, that's BS. But, um, yeah, and then I don't know how well Penn State travels. They don't go on the road um, to anywhere that's not an Atlantic hockey team. So, <laughs> I think actually Bridgeport might have rough attendance. I mean, Quinnipiac's there, but Harvard doesn't travel much. And then you have Ohio State. You know, again, from That's a hockey true. standpoint, not like a traveling fan base that is notable. And then Miramac, I mean, that's not a terribly long drive for them, but it's Miramac. Although they had, I like watching that Hockey East title game, they said they had like 13 buses that came down from uh, Andover uh, where their campus is. Uh, and so I, they might do something similar, like get a bunch of students to go to the game. That would be pretty fun. Um, but uh I don't think these are going to be super like packed houses, but yeah. we'll see. I, I checked that 2018 regional 8,000, like seven, nine, nine, two for the Friday games, both, both games. And then a tick over 8,000. So basically 8,000 for both, both, uh, both days. And that was, you said that, uh, just to remind that's St. Cloud. That was Duluth and Mankato, correct? Yep, and St. Cloud and Air Force, and then yeah. Air Force and Duluth for the final. Um, but uh, and it, it was the same attendance for both the Air Force St. Cloud game and the uh, Duluth Mankato game. So I'm wondering if that was like this: you, know, you buy them in the same package, like you couldn't buy them individually. Yeah, because I would just have thought, I would assume, not knowing what the numbers were, that the Mankato Duluth game would have been a little bigger because you had two localish teams uh, rather than just one in the St. Cloud Air Force game. So, um, but still, yeah, eight thousands more than five thousand, uh, which will be the capacity in Fargo. So, yeah, that that is a bit of a disappointment. Um, but still, like you said, Sanford Center is like ten thousand for for Sioux Falls. So even that didn't sell out. Now you didn't have the Gophers there, which have the best, and that, yeah, that's the, mo- the most the most fans of 
the teams that we're talking about this weekend. And especially too, that if it was there, you'd have Jackson Nelson, um, who played high school hockey. Oh, you're three, a in three, a in Laverne, which is, you know, about a nine iron away. Um, I say it's not really a nine iron, but in, as, in terms of southwestern Minnesota driving, yes, it's a nine iron away from Laverne to uh, to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, now, you know, you were talking about the region of death, um, and I do think it is Fargo. I think it is the toughest region. Um, but like, like we said earlier, too, all of these teams are incredibly good. So I'm not really surprised. Um, by any of them or how far any team would really go in it. Um, I can see pros and cons of really everyone. If you were to kind of pick some, um, or I don't know if you want to do picks or if there's anything more you want to talk about the tinfoil conspiracy Lindbergh baby. Uh, we can we can make some uh, some predictions. Or I, I wanted to ask you, like, of the first-round matchups, and we've talked enough about the Fargo region. You, you could include this if you wanted to, but I wanted to – get your gauge at what your like most intriguing first round matchup is. My most intriguing first round matchup is other than St. Cloud, Minnesota state. Cause I yeah, actually, let's, let's kind of, that's a given. Yeah. I, mean, I actually, and not just cause of St. Cloud. I think, I think that has a lot of intrigue to it. I am really interested in BU in Western Michigan. That's okay. I, I thought we were going to match and, and we do. <laughs> I would also say the Penn State Michigan Tech game is intriguing to me because I think Michigan Tech's going to win the game. I do too. In front of the Penn State faithful, mm-hmm. uh, Penn State is, I think, really overrated. Yeah. Like to for, like I said, for them to be a two seed above Ohio State or any of these teams, I think it's kind of laughable. They're more closer to like a four seed, I think. Um, and I think Tech is good, and they have a good goalie. Yeah. Um, but that BU Western Michigan game too, I'm looking at, uh, like I'm just looking for, like I said, I was a little disappointed this last weekend with the lack of scoring and seem- seemingly like teams were playing a little too cautious and that can be the downside of playoff hockey here. Uh, and so I'm like looking at that Harvard Ohio state game, for instance, like I'm struggling to keep awake right now, just <laughs> saying that game, that matchup aloud. who knows, maybe like maybe that's the game of the weekend. Uh, for all, for yeah, all we know. Uh, Th- that's going to be your seven to five with an empty netter. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, I I think the Quinnipiac Merrimack game that you mentioned. I think that will be interesting. Merrimack's watching them in this. Uh, not just this last weekend of the in the Boston phase of the hockey's tournament, but watching them down the stretch there. I think they got a little bit of their mojo back that they lost, sort of in the middle part of the season when they went on a real uh, dry spell. Mm-hmm. But I think I think they can they can play with Quinnipiac, even though. Of the one seeds, I'm still going to say Quinnipiac's going to win that game because I think Quinnipiac of the one seeds is the one that I think is I'm most confident is going to make the Frozen Four. Um, I could say Michigan as well. A lot of chatter that I saw is Michigan's got the easiest bracket. Again, I don't think so. Michigan Tech, Michigan Tech. I think I'm going to take out of that out of that. Uh, bracket. I agree. I agree with um, Michigan Tech. Well, I don't want to. So let's let's make some picks. Let's make some some regional champ picks. I really haven't thought about this. I'm just doing it off the fly, but I gave you two of them, I guess, Quinnipiac and Michigan Tech. And I don't want us to be exactly the same. Um, 
Do we want to be homers? Fine. And, I'll be. I'll be. In the Huskies. I'll, I'll be different. Um, except I won't be different with Michigan Tech because I said I've got no Big Ten team making it out of regional. Um, I I do think that all of them are very susceptible, and I think their whole uh conference was a little bit overrated and terms of strength the schedule and how great everything is so i do have michigan tech um coming out of allentown um or allentown um for bridgeport um i actually have i do have harvard um i i i I think they're gonna kind of cakewalk past ohio state and then quinnipiac and harvard i'm gonna take harvard in that matchup um um, I do agree. I'll take Quinnip- I'll take Quinnipiac over Harvard. Uh, Harvard also beating Ohio State. Okay. Um, if oh, and so for Allentown, you got Colgate. You got Michigan beating Colgate. Yes, I do. And then you have Michigan Tech over Michigan. Yep. Okay, I we're exactly alike so far. How about Manchester? We mentioned that Western Michigan BU game. I thought you had be- Quinnipiac coming out of Bridgeport. You have Harvard. Oh, exact except for that. Okay, except for that. We're yeah, exactly we're the not, same. We're exactly except on, for that. on Allentown. On Allentown, we're exactly gotcha. But, uh, okay. So this West Western Michigan BU matchup. I, I got BU coming out of this bracket out of Manchester. Gotcha. Um, I've got Western Michigan actually. Um, I think they're going to come off to the Frozen Four. I got yeah. I got them ticked off. Um, may, and I'll actually take. I'm going to take Cornell over them. I am too. And um, I do. This is really tricky to me because I I just don't know how injured they are and how much they're leading on. Um, but the the thing that kind of sticks out to me is like this could be a time when Denver just kind of turns it on. Um, it could, you know, yeah, no, they if before the CC before the injury issues kind of sprung, I think I would have picked Denver to win the whole thing again. Yeah, I think I, that would have been my like consensus pick. But it wouldn't have been mine. But being very, something like to to pull your goalie with ten minutes left to go in a one. They're being very game. coy about it, and I feel like they're even like hiding. It, they're more injured than even they think. Yeah. they are. I think so. I just don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not even a huge fan of Cornell. Um, I think Miramax better than them, even though they're lower seated. Um, Cornell is the worst at large team in this field, but I think they're going to have some like. They're going to have some fans on their side. They're going to they're going to it's going to be a partisan Cornell a Cornell crowd in that game, which might not mean anything, but it might mean something too. And but I just I I think Denver's uh, wounded, and I think Corona's going to get exposed because I'm I'm assuming he's going to start the game. Yeah, but I don't know if he's going to end the game. Um, and I just I think they're too banged up. The, so the thing about BU, this regional BU versus Cornell would be a good game in that regional final. Yep. But I got BU coming out of that bracket. And uh, is that the one you said had a really big rivalry? BU and Cornell, yes. Yeah. So yeah, they played that that Madison Square Garden game. They didn't play it this year, but they've played I don't know five or six times in the past. And um, like I mentioned in that show there was a. BU fan that I bent his ear at the Arizona State tournament that I was at. He was like ranking his BU. He couldn't shut up. It was great, actually, because I mean, I was just, I was having, I wasn't really having much fun watching Air Force getting demolished by BU anyway. So this guy was just talking and talking and talking, telling me all about BU. Did he have that Boston accent? 
Oh yeah, it was nice. nice. It wasn't it's super thick, but it was. It would come out present. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but he's like BC. He's like Cornell. Hate Cornell. <laughs> and then surprised that he's like Minnesota's up there. Uh, and I mean, yeah, the seventies probably. But... It's exactly. I mean, he's an older guy. I mean, he's probably in his fifties. He wasn't like super old, but he. It all. It all stems back to that he hates Herb Brooks. Mm-hmm. It's not a Herb Brooks yeah. fan. Uh, and. And they played a title game in like 78, I think, Minnesota and BU. And it still stems from that. Because I don't think they've really played much of, in recent years. But he still has a Minnesota hatred, which was surprising to me. But uh, so it was, uh, yeah, he, he said, yeah, Cornell, they hate him. Um, so, uh, and they played it. They, they'll usually play a game somewhere because they played either a neutral side game or like at home. They played this year. It was like right around the new year. I remember watching the game. It was a good game. BU won with like a last second goal. I'm sure that guy was loving it. Um, but uh, so I think that would be a, a good matchup. Like I said in that show, like I, if things would have shaken out a little bit differently, having a BU Cornell and then Western Michigan versus Michigan regional would have been great. Um, especially that West. I wonder if Mel Pearson would have wanted to show up to that one. Uh, <laughs> But uh, that would, it's too bad that that it had to play out a little bit like this. But that's another thing. Like if if we weren't so rigid on the pairwise, we could maybe look to, to match up games that like that that are sexy matchups. You wouldn't have to move mountains too too much uh, in order to accommodate that. So so that leaves the Fargo Regional um, for our last one. Uh, first, can't overlook it: Minnesota versus Canisius. Yeah, you want to take him? You want you want to take the golden Griffins? I don't. Yeah, I mean, I do think like I think it'll be closer than people think. Maybe for a period and a half, maybe even two periods. Um, maybe even like that. What Ferris State Denver game after Ferris State beat St. Cloud. Um, where or even like AIC Michigan last year, where, where which wasn't that was you know it, it was it it wasn't necessarily close, but it wasn't a blowout. Either. Yeah, where whereas I could I could see this being like a four-one Minnesota win, five-one even, but it it might be only one nothing going into the third. Um, or yeah, just, just I, I I feel like I think Canisius can keep it close for a ex- little bit of time, but I don't think it's i i don't i don't give him much of a chance and maybe if i'm keep on being some of the voices that kind of pump up the gophers higher and Motsko's ear that uh eventually that uh he'll crumble under that or take another job elsewhere or i don't know but it's that's uh i i'm not giving kanish as much of a chance here i mean it will be interesting um how Motsko handles uh the Atlantic team. I I just he, he did not give me one reporter. Good... Give me one reporter with the balls to ask these questions. Just ask him about his history against Atlantic hockey team. I just I just want to know. I just well, want to know how he would react. Well, I, yes, but I mean the thing there is well, who is it going to be? Jess Myers? He, that hack? No, he's not going to do it. I I don't God. I don't think that he can. I'm not even sure if he remember because like I was. Say, he sure he as shit bark. won't remember Air Force. He was already prepping lines for That's Minnesota. That's what I was going to say. Like, uh, 
he probably doesn't because I was going to say like if if they were going to bark about the six eleven matchup here, like well he would have had experience from the other side of that or at least from the same side of it, which is with a different team because St. Cloud, as I mentioned, that that Mankato Duluth matchup in twenty eighteen was the six twelve seeded matchup, and St. Cloud was number one overall. But as you said, I think he must have blacked that whole weekend out because. Uh, yeah, his mind was was elsewhere uh, when St. Cloud was playing Air Force. So it'd be interesting to see how he coaches a game here when he doesn't have other employment already lined up. <laughs> um, be interesting to see. And we should mention, too, I mean, big break, a bad break for the Gophers, drawing the dun-dun-dun 8 p.m. game. <laughs> oh, Wow. Yeah. Your thoughts, sir. Uh, Motsko on record saying, that's the one problem I got. 8 o'clock p.m. Um, I'd rather play at 8 in the morning. Um, which I'm sure is tongue-in-cheek, but doesn't make it any less How many jokes has Motsko cracked in his life? I, I, I could think of two. <laughs> and they were equally as funny. <laughs> Uh, and nobody knew how to laugh or react because it was like, why are you making a joke right now? This is awkward. The best thing about this, this quote is it's preposterous from two different levels. I did some research. The Gophers this year played three games at 8 PM with 8 PM start times, um, including twice in the last month. They won all three of those games this year by scores of seven to one. Four nothing and five to one. <laughs> so sure, really doesn't look like they've had any issue adjusting to the extra hour from their typical start time of seven p.m. The other thing that's funny about it is if he didn't have his way a couple of years ago when they introduced the extra day of rest in between the regionals, they would be getting the early game. Um, that's what they would do with all the the top seeds would all get the early game in their regionals uh, prior to this extra day of rest. Yep. Um, and that was the whole, that was the whole reason that Motsko wanted the extra day of rest because he had two games, the Northern Michigan game that we've mentioned a few times on this show went, that went double overtime. And then the Notre Dame game at the X 2014, also a double overtime game, having to come back the next day after playing a double overtime game as the late game, because those they were the two seed, or they were playing the two three game in both of those occasions, playing that regional final the next day on short rest, playing the late game and playing a long late game, they were really unable to compete with both Wisconsin and then the Gophers in those cases. So that was his whole point was we need to get an extra day in because I don't want to play these back to backs where I'm playing a, a day game after a night game. Well, now that you have the extra day, now they're putting, all, I saw it, which is a little surprising, they're putting all the top seeds as the late game in their regional, including, most surprisingly, they're putting Penn State as the early game in their regional. Yeah. Like they're the host regional, but they're giving them a 5 p.m. local start time. I would just think that's natural to, to give the host school the late game, even if it is the 2-3 matchup. But... So be careful what you wish for, Bob, because if you really didn't want to play an 8 p.m. game, uh, you wouldn't have barked up the tree about uh, getting your sweet extra Not day of rest. Bob.
So, uh, yeah, that was, he just, he keeps him coming. He's got like a greatest hits tape going with some of his preposterous statements. It's some, it's some quality stuff coming out of Mr. Monster. I, I tweeted this and I feel it's just apt is that I feel like, I feel like Matsko's the X and I'm on the other side of it. Finally noticing his annoying tendency that all my friends have been telling me about for years. <laughs> it's like, it's like that. How I met your mother episode where um, they have, I, th- I think it was with blah, blah. And it was like the glass shattering moment of like, now that you see it, you can't unsee it. And and I remember, like, I, I remember drinking that Kool-Aid and used to defending it to be like, well, he just likes his structure and he likes his routine, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, this guy will bitch about anything. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, because that's, that's right. Because he also bitched about the, playing the early game. Yeah, he bitched about he, the, early he game too. the early game, too. So now he's bitching <laughs> now about he's the later bitch- game. No, it's too late. Oh, God. Have... It's not too late because they've literally played three times this year at this start. And time. crushed it. And oh. they play. And they play. Yeah, they play. Just killed it. <laughs> oh wow! It's like all right. It just so can't keep them happy. So we got. I also have the Gophers beating Canisius. Uh, I think you said it already. You think that the Huskies are going to beat Mankato? Yes, I do. I. I and then it, I. I do think it's going to be another five four or incredibly tight game. Maybe not that high scoring, but it's going to be close. It's going to be a fun game to watch, and it's going to be a nail biter. Either way, but I I would give the little bit of the flip mostly because I do think our defense is playing a little bit well, and some of our um, uh, players are just really gelling together. And I think we have the experience too. Um, you know, they tweeted out that you know we have what eleven players or whatnot that have played over a hundred games in a St. Cloud State jersey. It's um, really impressive to have this longevity and obviously COVID year has something to do with it, but um, you know, having people who have been here before, I think is key. And I think that's, what's going to have a little bit of the edge spoiler alert with the Huskies over the Gophers is, you know, with the, you know, freshmen and the talent, I, I, I just think experience wins out in this tournament. And that's why I have, um, the Huskies having the edge in that. Um, and again, that's going to be another tight game. All these games in this regional are going to be incredibly tight, which is why I think it's the region of death, but it's, it's going to be a fun regional to watch. I think the Huskies are going to eke it out with how well they're playing right now, but honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if it goes completely belly. I, I can see Mankato coming out of the series too. I was going to say, so I, I mean, I'm on the Huskies hockey podcast. I, I'm, I guess I'm just going to pander to our audience and say the Huskies are going to win the region. Uh, but I will say this. I think whoever the, the winner of the regional is coming out of the Mankato uh, St. Cloud game. I think whoever wins that game beats the Gophers. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought and, up. And both of us have beat the Gophers this year. Like, I don't, I just don't yep. understand the pedestal that everyone's putting the Gophers on. It's just, yeah, I the, don't see it. Yeah, and similar to what I was saying about how I like that the Huskies, the devil you know, matchup when it comes to Mankato. It's similar, but even more so. The Gophers are like the team that the the Huskies seem to get up to play the most, which is what I want from this team. Like I said, I I don't want to play. Like if Canisius beats the Gophers in St. Cloud, 
beats Mankato, I would almost be more frightened of that game because it's like, here we go again. It's going to be another one of these AIC type games where they know that the pressure is all on them and they can't make any stupid mistakes. And because of that, they're clutching sticks the whole game. They play the Gophers. They know they're a little brother and Mm -hmm. they'll get up like you wouldn't believe to play them. And yeah, if they could, if there's a way that they could play four number one seeds on their way to a national title, that's how I would want St. Cloud to win it because they're they, at least I know that they would be motivated and play like a full 60 minutes and have like the energy the entire time. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned Meyer too. You, you went on that tangent earlier too about it, which I enjoyed. Um, I see something different from him in a good way. Like it's, there's it's he's always had the the character and sort of the the locker room like clear leader a vibe mm-hmm. it seems like that's even increased over the last like since the playoffs started yeah i i think there's something special it's weird too that he finally you know wins the sportsmanship award or whatever and uh hadn't take a penalty all year two guys on the team i mean yetnan's never taken a penalty in his college career but <laughs> Meyer didn't take a penalty all year, except he finally took one against CC. Exactly. So after he wins the prize, the sportsmanship trophy, then I guess he, uh, he had to give finally, finally, finally he could let loose and go crazy and get a penalty. But it's that sort of intangible. It's a bummer. It it wasn't obstruction interference. I think that would have been my favorite. (laughs) Perfect. But uh, no, that's, that's sort of, it's the intangible stuff at this time of year. And just seeing how the team seems to be responding. Uh, but it is hockey. Like I said, I'm sure we, we would have been saying if we, if we were around in 2019, I'm sure we've been saying the same thing going into AIC. Uh, anything could happen. And so we've uh, seen anything. Like happen. Said, we've seen everything. We've happen. seen it happen. So, but I feel like if they get past Mankato, I think they got a real good shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if uh, they do, so I'm going to take St. Cloud. Please let me know so I can buy tickets. I would appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm wondering too if if they win on Friday, if you wanted to do a a short little pod, like in between, it, it, maybe we could talk uh, off air. But uh, that might be a, a an idea to to. Uh, to yeah, maybe. So uh, we're getting along here. Yeah. Oh, we one, definitely. So we don't have to. We don't have to talk about it here on air, but that's a possibility. Keep. Uh, sure. to, we'll keep you updated mm-hmm. on that. Um. So then. Uh, so then you have St. Cloud out of this regional? St. Cloud out of the but, regional. So St. Cloud. But but it, basically winner of St. Cloud Mankato. You have them over the Gophers. Slash Canucius. Yes, I do not I do not see the Gophers coming out of gotcha. the, out of the regional. Okay. All right. Um if you uh let's get to questions really quickly, because again, we're going long. Weird. If maybe I shouldn't have taken ten minutes and talk about Tony Mosey and the <laughs> <laughs> and getting kicked off. That would have been great if that would have been great if St. Cloud was playing Ohio State. Because I mean that's that true. Sort of de- yeah. That was a that hypothetical sort of tangent. Would have been a little bit more appropriate, mm-hmm. but I still like it, and I think we have a future bit idea out of it. So I'm 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 fine. I like it. So, um, Goa sees Wu tweeted out uh, the betting lines uh, for the NCAA hockey champions. Um. And I can run through them really quickly if you want me to. Um, uh, Minnesota at plus 250. These are all obviously going to be pluses. 
Michigan at 350, Denver 550, Quinnipiac 600, St. Cloud State 1200, also Boston University 1200, Harvard 2000, Western Michigan 22, Penn State 22, Ohio State 22, Minnesota State 28, uh, Michigan Tech at 50, Miramac Cornell also at 50, or I'm sorry, well, you know what I mean. Uh, 5,000. Yeah, 5,000, 5,000, 5,000. Colgate at 15,000 and Canisius uh, 20 plus 25,000. Um, if you had $100, who would you bet it on? Looking at it here, I think Michigan Tech at plus 5,000 steal. Um, but do I think they're actually going to win the whole thing? Like, I think they're the most undervalued on this. I'm yeah. not a good enough gambler to know, like, the best value. Um, like of the one seeds, I think I think Quinnipiac's a decent pick. Like they're the they're the highest paying one seed, and I think they're the best one seed. The way I look at this is like if you had this tournament X amount of times, would they win once? So you know it's it's about a hundred dollars Quinnipiac plus six hundred. Do you think that Quinnipiac would win this tournament one time out of six? If this happens. Looking at it that way, I think, okay. yes. Would you think Michigan Tech, I, I was looking, Michigan I, I, Tech, one time out of 50, do you think they would win this tournament? Yes. Okay. I was, I was also looking at BU at 1200. I think is a decent number. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I, I don't think Minnesota, I don't Minnesota plus 250. No. Is that's garbage. Two and a half, one out of two and a half chances. No. Minnesota's going to win the tournament. Nope. I think Minnesota same with Michigan five chances. Uh, same with Denver. I would even say same with Quinnipiac. I, I would, I would go much a little bit later here. Um, my original was Harvard at plus 2000. You, you like these I, scrappy I like Harvard guys. Um, but at the same time, Michigan tech at plus 5,000. I think that's a steal, especially if uh, their, their, their goalie gets hot and I keep blanking on his name. Pietalov. That's it. I mean, if he gets hot, it's the Richter finalist. Yeah, we never went. We never went over. So there's a Richter finalist with with him, Parrots, and Devin Levi, who's in the NHL now, or at least signed a deal mm-hmm. with Buffalo. Um, you got that. You got the Hobie down to top the final ten. Our guy, our kind of top two that we've been saying for a while here, uh, Fantilli and Pollen, still alive. I think it's going to come down to those two and someone else. In the uh, Hobie hat trick, we never talked about the NCHC awards, which I would say there's two kind of three. I'd say sort of hmm, interesting ones. It's it's always interesting because uh, they go off of just conference games, which is bizarre in my opinion. But yeah, I don't know if it would. Yeah, I don't know how much that would really factor into it. I guess it's, if you're looking at stats, I guess, but. I thought there was three kind of, we should mention Cranola, uh, defensive forward of the year. Yep. And Meyer getting the sportsmanship either. That was the only Husky winners, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. I think so. The, the three that I thought, so Pollen wins uh, player of the year, which I don't think was much of a surprise. The three surprises to me were coach of the year with Fershweiler beating out Gap. Terrible. Terrible. Like that was, I, I thought that was. I thought it was down to those two, but I thought I figured because Fershweiler won it last year. Yeah. 
that it was it was going to be gap. And it, I guess I thought it was going to be more of the same, but apparently everyone thought it was a rebuilding year for Western Michigan, which I which guess he, I mean it was. We 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 uh, picked them to be fifth, and I think that's what the coaches had too. So, but if you're looking at that, then Omaha was picked to be lower than them, and they exceeded yeah. that to a greater degree. So I thought that was surprising. Yeah, it should have won. I thought. I want your unbridled take on this Magnus Krona winning goalie. Of the I year. was absolutely floored. And I even had people like reach out to me on Twitter too about it. And I just, I thought that like, not only that, but Embarico not winning freshman of the year either. Well, yes, that one was the other surprise. Not, I, I would have put, so I was more surprised that McAllister didn't win that. Yeah. And I would probably would have put Embarico ahead of Blake, correct? Who ended up winning it, um, and so the, for the goalie of the year, it's it's like how like Cy Young used to be voted on. It's it's pitcher wins was like what like whoever had twenty wins, or whoever le- led the league in wins won the Cy Young, yeah. even though if they had like a three fifty ERA, whatever. And they seem to be better at that now that they'll give DeGrom a Cy Young if he's got a 500 record, but because he's the best pitcher, then they'll give him Cy Young. Well, hockey, at least college hockey, has not caught up to that mentality yet because I guess like looking at Embarico and ooh, he's got a bad win-loss record. Um, And Corona plays on a great team, so he racks up a bunch of wins. Every other metric, Embarico had him beat. And Lacozzi, for that matter, who is the third finalist. But that's this is the long-term uh, senior. Uh, he's got the he's got the counting stats. That's what like a lot of analytics will say. It's just like wins and stuff, like things that you get from longevity rather than the one season yeah. sort of stats. Yeah. A percentage based stats. So the, I thought that was the thing also I wasn't like, as I wasn't as shocked by it, but I was just disappointed by it. The thing about like Imberco's uh, and really Colorado College in general is everyone talking about how great of a Cinderella and how great like um you know what's being built there and this is the start of something big. Um I mean that offense was carried by McCown and Lava. Uh McCown and- and no longer by McCown. and no longer by McCown, who just signed a pro deal with Columbus. I want to say, right. uh, he's a free agent. I'm sure he had a lot of. I, I, uh, apparently, he had, he, had, he had a really good season, and he had like the only good season for CC. And and, and that's the thing standpoint. It's like you you didn't you didn't overperform, and you weren't like you know the reason why you did is because you had Embarco at net. He was the one that kind of snuck up and. You know, and you're playing a gross, a gross, cloggy trap. Yeah, uh, that one nothing, the one nothing win over Denver. I mean, yeah, maybe I didn't see the whole game, but the third of the game that I saw, it's just like I don't. I roll my eyes at the great story. This is it's exposing a flaw in the sport, like, and it's just it's not. We shouldn't celebrate this. It's just yeah, cute story, but. Give me an exciting, halfway exciting product. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to slap you on your back for winning a game like that. And that's not to say Embarico is clearly, I think, the best goalie in the conference. Mm-hmm. That game shouldn't be the deciding factor of that. It's just that, yeah, CC had no business being in, even in St. Paul. Uh, and um, it's a shame, I think, that we didn't get a better matchup with uh, 
either Denver or Western Michigan if they had to beat them. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, we can we can see the great CC uh, comeback uh, to relevancy play out again next year. Um, I'm not necessarily looking forward to it, but congrats yep. on your 13, 21, and two season. <laughs> so, um, but uh, other question. That was mean. I, 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 I was a little harsh. Mean, I mean, I, and I was I talking was about harsh. how I think Embarek was really good, and you turned into he is. and now you turned it into was, he's a product of the system of too. <laughs> Not that that's no, it's, mm-hmm. it's more the offense. Like the offense can't generate anything. Yeah. So their only real hope is to keep a game scoreless and then get a fluky goal, mm-hmm. pop, pop one in and then rely on your great goalie. That's really the, that's a formula that works way too often than it should. Unfortunately. Um, Johnny red shoes. The committee obviously hates your team, which is what he changed his uh, Twitter name to, which uh, I think is funny. Uh, will Bob push for the first overall seed to be pushed uh, put into a region with the 14, 15, and 16 seeds going forward to appease the great injustice being done to the Gophers in eyes of the fans of the Fargo region? I That's See, there, probably I mean, next. <laughs> but then we got, you know, when, when Canisius beats them. Um, if, they're, if they're unhappy, their fans are unhappy about playing old old man grizzly man uh mankato canisius i'm sure has got a couple of grandpas on that team they'll be picking out the 26 year olds they got on that roster and be like see we got 18 year old kids playing against uh guys that are already divorced and are playing paying alimony um <laughs> 26 year old uh canisius guys so yeah you play those those low seed atlantic teams you're getting into the you're getting into the the senior league there, yeah. um, so that's you hip pocket that excuse next. Yep. So, um, uh, PA announcer Jason Bryant uh, thoughts on how the Herb took to the new woo post goal song plug this season. Uh, so again, uh, Jason he says go Huskies after a goal, trying to cue the fans to say woo, uh, much like how we end the podcast. And I, um, I think it's starting to catch on more and more. Like people are getting it. I think once the dog pound kind of gets into it, I think the rest of the fans will kind of follow. Um, and I think it's going to be a great staple. I think it's also a good way to honor Chuck and his years. So, um, I think eventually it's, it's going to be kind of rocking, um, once everybody kind of gets on board and we're starting to gain some steam, I think. So looking forward to that next year. Good. Um, Go Huskies woo. Uh, ultimately is the season already a success. Um, I feel like maybe this is a little early uh, for the, for, for this question, uh, but I, I see where he's coming from. Um, if you tell October, 2022, Weldy, the Huskies will finish three points out of second place, get a second seed in the NCAA and win the frozen face off. Don't you take that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, said at the beginning like my preview podcast i was fairly down on this team and i actually didn't really get on board with this team i would say hey, you were a late convert i would say i'm i mean i'd have to double check but maybe even after mankato i mean i think it was it oh yeah no i think it was i think it was the north dakota series i think that's when you're like i'm on okay that and that makes sense because i remember even after the after the first denver series when they went out there you're like i'm starting to think we even did like a you know, like I said, like my right. percentage. Yeah, the meter, percentage meter. Yeah. That was like, I think after Denver, I was like ninety percent, and you were still like, eh. 
75, 80-ish. I know I like after North Dakota, you're like, we're we're gold people, you know. So so I, I would say just to answer the question from my end, like it's not a bad idea to raise the bar a little bit. Um this is become a regular occurrence for the Huskers. That's true. To make the NCAA turn. You could argue um, with who we have coming in over the next couple of years that this could have been our rebuilding season. And the fact that it's not kind of shows you how much the, our program has elevated um I mean nationally. So yeah, this is we, we're not a pro, we're not a we're definitely not a CC. We're not in Omaha even. Where Omaha will make it, you know, once every 3-4 years. We're a team that's now or program. Not to the conference tournament, to, though. Not to the conference tournament. But they make the NCAAs every every half decade. <laughs> um, and if you're talking for someone like that, uh, yeah, just get into the dance. Success, baby. Um, I, I'm not opposed to saying to raising the bar a little bit. So I'm. I, I'll say if you win a game in the tournament, I, I'm not saying frozen four or bust, but let's win a game in the tournament. Like I'm not opposed to to raising the bar just slightly. All right, I like it. Um, uh, Alexander Fern, um, who is uh, KVSE, which by the way, uh, KVSE doing a fundraiser on GoFundMe, yes. which is a little redundant again from the redundant department of redundancy department. Um, but, uh, they have a GoFundMe to, uh, help them get to the regional. They do an excellent job of, uh, doing play-by-play. My mom listens to them, uh, when they're doing a play-by-play and in, in the car, uh, they listen to, uh, KVSC. So definitely, um, help them out, um, help KVSC get to the regionals. Um, it's pinned in my Twitter profile right now. Uh, so definitely go ahead and help them out. Um, he asks, um, two questions. One is this the best that you think Pierce has played all season? Um, is that the best? So I would assume over last weekend. And yeah, I, I think, again, Pierce, I thought, played incredibly well. I think Wiley played really well. Really, our defense overall, no notes. Um, I yeah. think the, the two goals that um, uh, that uh, North Dakota had, uh, you know, one, again, great power play set up and play. You know, I can't even really blame our power play on that or our penalty kill on that second one, a little bit of a fluky grinder, maybe Caster could have had the rebound, you know, cover that one, but it was just kind of a bouncing puck laying there and they were just able, they got, they just got outmanned. Uh, and that happens every once in a while. But other than those two, I mean, obviously a shutout against CC, you took care of business. I, th- I thought Peart overall played an incredibly strong game. He did. He played very well. I, I remember, I think it was that North Dakota series, the the home series. It was right around then, at least, that we, I think we gave him a, a unanimous pow. Uh, and that was like around the time where we thought, okay, here we go. It, it kind of took him a little longer than we thought to turn the corner and show the, the promise. Um, but it's here finally. Uh, and then there was some regression again mm-hmm. in the second half. Uh, but again, going into the tournament here, playing, Playing a coming off a very good weekend, you love to see it. So hopefully he uh, uses that as a, a springboard here to uh, even more more of that, please. Um, if I told you Jackson Caster would have a nine twenty save percentage at the beginning of the year, what would you have said? I would have called you a liar. Um, and again, this uh, comes 
you know, a little bit off the heels of, you know, we were harsh on him. And again, justly so. I don't think we were overtly mean or we didn't attack him personally or anything like that. We were just critical of his play and critical of the season um, going into it, that this was a big question mark. And Caster has really taken the reins. And I think we're going to, I think we're ride or die with Caster. I think so. So, Definitely. Um, Last question here, Uh, Clint, what are your three keys um, uh, for the Huskies to make it to Tampa? Um, What type of crowd do you think they'll have at, uh, at Fargo UND fans? Are they going to keep their tickets to uh, root against the Gophers or do you think they're going to, pawn them off at a higher price. Um, it's, I do, I do kind of wonder about the whole selling on the secondary market. I think, I mean, there's plenty on the secondary market that are incredibly expensive, which is, you know, economics, supply and demand. Um, but I do wonder if you're North Dakota, like after a team end of your season, you're going to help their fan. I mean, some people do have blind allegiance to conferences. I wouldn't do that. But, um, you know, some people do. So I do wonder what the markup or the makeup is going to be of the crowd. Like you said, you know, there is allotments. But I can see North Dakota fans going just to root against and root for Canisius. So. Yeah, I'm wondering, too. I think I saw that 700 figure about the allotments. Maybe that's not universal, because if it's 700 per school, that equals 2,800, which is like more than half the capacity of shields, which seems maybe that's true. It, it very well might, might be, but maybe that figure of allotment is based on a percentage of the capacity. Um, so, and I, I am interested, like if, if, if North Dakota fans are going to go to negatively root for a team, you'd think it'd be the Gophers. Yeah. Plus, because the Gophers is the night game, you know, it's easier for fans to get off for a night game than it is because they're playing at four four p.m. local time. The St. Cloud game, yep. is that right? So, um, more likely that that more people can show up for the night game. Um, maybe that's another reason that Botsko doesn't like the eight p.m. game. Yeah, that it, it gives North Dakota fans more of a chance to troll a person. But I think that, yeah, I mean, we saw it with the Holy Cross game. If you, if you have watched like highlights of that, it's the place erupts because everyone was was rooting for Holy Cross. So that, that was at there, that was at the Ralph. Yep. That was at the Ralph, and North Dakota was playing in the in the bracket, so they were still alive, and that was who that game was who they were going to play. I can't remember if North Dakota had already played their game. I think they played Michigan. Can't remember, uh, but uh, I, I thought they had already played their game, and. Maybe not, but in any case, uh, they they were there just because North Dakota was also in it. It's different this year because it's a not at the Ralph, and b North Dakota not being a part of it. I would think would take a lot of the appeal of a troll type fan experience out of it. So yeah, I yeah I would say the secondary market's high now, but the prices will drop when they don't sell those tickets. And yeah, I would think that they would prefer to have some beer money rather than pocketing it, pocketing the ticket. So no one shows up, but I could be wrong. We'll see what their commitment to their trolling, how strong that is. 
this week? Uh, Minnesota Holy Cross was the early game. So they played at was. they okay. played at 535 was the start time there. And then the the North Dakota Michigan game, you were correct. It was Michigan. Yep. Uh okay. didn't start till nine twelve. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Because Minnesota was the one seed yep. in that bracket. And it the went, one seeds always got the early game. Yep, we got the early game. It went to overtime. Bob Motzko Not wasn't much overtime. happy. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it was still not great, Bob. So That's right. Um, Let's hope we can get some more mileage of that sound effect. God. Yeah, on the next show. God, right, exactly. For, for sure. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, the three keys the Huskies make to Tampa. Um, I know I'm putting you a little bit on the spot. I've got three here um, right now. And, um, you know. I've got three. Okay, perfect. I've got three. Score, score, goal, score oh, more goals than the geez. other team. Don't give up as many as the other team. And um, win the game. Move the puck through the zone. Skate hard. Stop the puck when the puck comes Win one the goalie. Now, I would say, yeah, penalty kill. Special, special like, teams. I'll, 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 give, I'll, I'll use two of them up with one penalty kill, one power play. Um, and, well, you go. Maybe then I'll, okay. then I'll think of yeah. one that you um, come well, up with. You know, maybe a little bit less of power play but definitely penalty killer just staying disciplined and staying out of the box in general yeah um yeah. mankato has an incredibly good power play if we beat mankato same with minnesota they've got a good power play as well so that's um that's going to be key for this regional we've played against incredibly good power plays over the last feels like month and a half two months um so it's no uh letting up here um convert on our chances um is is going to be kind of a key one. I have been kind of harping on this team a little bit. How odd man rushes we that wasn't our forte. Um, I, as of lately, we've been converting on our odd man rushes. Um, Cronulla's goal uh, was a pretty passing play. Obviously, Okabe's goal um, was off the rush as well. So it's um, I, I do feel like that is we convert on our chances, convert on our odd man rushes. I think we're going to have a good chance of surviving this regional uh and then limit term turnovers um especially yeah. if we're yeah. going up against an aggressive forecheck again um we can't crumble under this pressure and we can't crumble um if they have two men high you got to get some forwards back for support i know you want to do the extremely fast breakout but yeah you gotta you gotta be a little bit smarter in, in, in your own end. And that's where the defense has to kind of step up, make sure they don't um make make the mistakes. Those are some good ones. Um good insights there. I'll give like a All I have are good insights a, here, Andrew. I, I know. Uh <laughs> it's a two two I'll, hour, I'll two and a half plus hours of just solid this, good this insights. Is, I think our, our this is our record, I think. It's but it's a, it's a big show. It, it, it's a big show, big, big games, reason. and you got to relive Tony right. Mosey. This is this time of year. That's Walking right. on a cop car. Um, so that I'll give a bit of an intangible. It's just the. You've got to bring a certain intensity to these games, but you've also got to kind of keep your emotions. Yeah. You don't want to like go too out of control, but understand that. Again, I, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but you have the chance to play two rival 
rivalry matchups here and they're, they're different brands of rivalry. Like with Mankato, I think you're basically kind of on a level as far as an institution goes. And in recent history, St. Cloud has sort of had the better of Mankato. Um, won the last five out of six meetings between these two teams. There was no real big brother, little brother here, but realize that Mankato, they're one in five in their last six against St. Cloud. So they're going to, and you know, they came within a game of winning a national title last year. Still a bunch of guys from that team here that, you know, are, you know, ticked off that they couldn't finish the job last year. They were sort of on a revenge tour. So realize that you, you got to bring it. Mm-hmm. But realize that the other team is going to bring it too, and don't get so out of control where you're running with you know like a chicken with your head cut off and making these sort of undisciplined. I'm so jacked up, I'm just going to blow a guy up, you know, kind of play. Um, and it's going to be a different if you if you match up with the Gophers, it's going to be a different vibe. Where there, it's like with the narrative and everything, which is kind of BS. But you're kind of going to be the underdog there in, in a lot of different senses from Bearwise, from the history, from, you know, the Jan Brady kind of stuff. But realize that you can use that to your advantage too. Um, because the, the Gophers will be playing sort of the target on their back and they're going to be, they're not going to want to get embarrassed either. So it's going to be a different vibe in each game. If you do play it, I just focus on Mankato, but that's going to be a big part of this is, is just, you need to have the extra jump. Like I didn't, I feel like just going back to like AIC and the Air Force game, you just never really showed up for whatever reason, or at least it didn't look like it did, like you did. And if that's the case with this potential regional, that would be shocking to me. And, and I'm confident that it's not going to be the issue because I think that's natural. It's easy for this squad to, to rise to the occasion against uh, a team like Mankato and obviously a team like the Gophers too. So I want to, I want to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, will also have kind of a good point. Um, he thinks a critical part uh, will be for Caster to make a save or two early on. Hate for him to see the first shot at about five, 10 minutes into the period. Um, and I do, I do see the point of, you know, having them just kind of settle in, get some rubber and just kind of block out the ghosts of Quinnipiac past. Um, and just uh, get that performance out of your head. Um, I don't feel like it's going to be an issue with him. Um, he's been I've solid in all big games yet, and I think it's going to be just kind of business as usual. I think that's where the veteran presence is going to keep everyone calm in the locker room. So that's, again, the experience I think is going to win out here for, for the Huskies. Now, arguably, you could say yeah, the so. same thing about Mankato. But. That's right. That's, right. That's what makes that matchup so intriguing to me. So anyway, we are way long. So we should uh, probably head on out uh, unless there's anything else you want to add. Um, That'll be it for this time. Uh, I'm uh, more clappers. Weldy at more clappers. M O A R more clappers. Andrew, you can reach him at Huskies hockey podcast at gmail.com. All right. Perfect. Thanks everyone for listening. And, uh, we will be back, um, uh, no later than next week. And, uh, we will talk to you then until then go Huskies. Woo. Woo.